Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So before we get going tonight on tonight's subject concerning the thug spirit, I think we ought to take a closer examination as to what a thug is. And I know that a lot of people may not find this popular concerning uh, any type of, you know, biblical background, any type of, let's say, um, you know, religious settings or what ministries or pastors or ministers may talk about. But I want people to take a close examination and to listen. So I'm going to go over a few scriptures before I get into this. And this is sincerely on, you know, people that I know in my life, uh, things to myself that I had grown up in and people that I've seen that I don't think people understand that there is a thug spirit. It's not just a thing of, you know, someone being a thug. This thing has a long history and it goes way back. Okay, so, you know, my goal tonight, what I intend to do is expose this spirit to anyone who may be listening anyone who has family members that are involved in this, you know, there are all things that I'm about to mention tonight. They can be canceled in Jesus Christ. And you're going to find out just how spiritual that this thing is and how it's even played out today in society on every walk of life, really, you know, not just uh, being on the street as a thug, but, you know, you got business thugs, you have, uh, church thugs even, you know, so this is something that we want to conquer in Christ. So I'm going to go over two chapters of scripture before we get going. So I want to first look up what the definition of a thug is, and we're going to find that the word is not American at all. It's become a part of our language, but here's the definition of thug. It says a violent person, especially a criminal, ruffian, hooligan, vandal, hoodlum, gangster, villain, criminal. And then it goes a little further. It says informal, tough bruiser, uh, hard man, goon, heavy uh, enforcer, hired gun, a hood. You know, like one of Capone's thugs. That's what they're pretty much saying. So, but here's the historical history behind the word thug. Because we can all understand the first part, but it says a member of a religious organization of robbers and assassins in India, devotees to the goddess Kali, uh, the thugs wayland and strangled their victims. So, you know, they, they laid wait or they uh, waylaid and waited for their victims to come and then they strangled them. Usually travelers in a real, in a ritually uh, prescribed manner, uh, they were suppressed by the British in the 1830s. Okay, so what I want to do is dig a little into the history of these thugs, or what they were referred to as thuggies. So this kind of brings my mind back to Indiana Jones when you when they talk about, uh, I believe it was the second part, the Temple of Doom. They speak about the thuggy cult, and as you're going to find, these guys even dress and look very much like the thugs today. 
So you know it's a spirit because, you know, the two cultures aren't even supposed to match up and be the same. So um, I want to read a little bit on the history of the thuggies. And then we're going to get into two chapters of scripture and then we're going to pray up. I mean, we're going to pray into this thing and really get involved. So, all right, let me pull this up real quick and we'll get going. But I want people to listen real closely as to what the thuggy cult was about. Okay, so here's one section of it, and it's called Murder and Robbery. And it says, Murder and robbery were considered by thugs as a religious duty, and they considered themselves to be holy and honorable men. Such abhorrent behavior uh, did not affect their moral feelings. They followed the instructions and will of their goddess through their interpretation of a very complicated system of omens. They often traveled extensively to accomplish their goals of murdering a wayward traveler. So, you know, as we can see, this is what the definition actually brought up. But when it talks about them uh, calling themselves holy and honorable men, you know, a lot of thugs today don't even consider the things that they're doing are wrong. And it is very religious when you think about the way that they dress and they carry themselves and the things that they do, they're very proud of their behaviors. As the Bible would say, they glory in their shame. Okay, so this is another part. And it says, the thugs were a very close fraternity and used special jargon, uh, ramasi they call it, and hand signs to communicate with each other. So I want people to think about today how a lot of gangs are, how they have their own slang, their own words, things that they call themselves and hand signs are a very big part of this. So you see, it didn't start with us. It goes way back. So it says hand signs to communicate with each other. Such secret communication methods allowed the fellow thugs to recognize each other in the furthest, most remote parts of India. As a well-organized club, everyone played a part in the fraternity's activities. Now, you know that this happens in gangs, too. You got your runners, you got your thugs, you got your distributors. You know, you pretty much have them, um, everybody in there, you know, plays. You got some that may get weapons together, others that are leaders. And, you know, it says that they would identify themselves. So let's think about that, how, you know, some may wear all red, others may wear all blue. You know, some might even uh, wear certain rags on their heads or tattoos under their cheek. So, as you can see, we're dealing with the same type of spirit. All right. So it says um, uh, they were reorganized by many as normal law abiding citizens and went unmolested for centuries, free from suspicion uh, or persecution by both Hindu and Muslim authorities. So, you know, this kind of reminds you, too, of the mafia, how a lot of the mobsters will go and live their average lives wear suits and be all dressed up and look like respectable businessmen, but they were a part of their own secret society where they were, you know, sworn in to a family and they conducted the family's business by whatever means or whatever laws or rules that the family had. So as you can see, it's not just street gangs. It can even be organized crime. All right. So again, it, um, let's see. And so it talks about um, suspected any uh, wrongdoings and re reorganized 
by many of as normal law-abiding citizens and went unmolested for centuries, free from suspicion of persecution by both Hindu and Muslim authorities. However, there were average persons, especially travelers, who were well aware of the dangers presented by the strange thugs. We will never know the extent of the murderous activities of the thugs or thuggies. Estimated deaths by thugs were as high as 40,000 per year. Many believe that over 2 million people died at the hands of thugs. They accomplished uh, and secrecy. The accomplished and secrecy of such large numbers of deaths uh, caused by thuggies uh, was a result of um, the thugs' well-organized and highly uh, secret fraternity. Greatly aiding thuggies' success was the lack of the central authority powerful enough to put an end to the thug ritual murder. The great Mughal Empire uh, that ruled by the Indian subcontinent for centuries had lost power and fragmented into many independent and semi-autonomous kingdoms who collectively could not contend with the thuggy threat. So as you can see, the thugs were very powerful. They could not be put down exactly. But it talks about here that it wasn't. Uh, there was a British Raj uh, that came in the late 1800s or 1904 that subdued the thuggy cult. So as you can see, they were a member of thugs and well-organized in criminal activity. Okay, so I'm going to put that down for a, side, uh, for a moment because I want people to understand what this thing is about concerning this thug spirit. So the Lord gave me two scriptures to get into, and I'm hoping that I reach people concerning this teaching because I think people truly need to know what it is that we're contending with. All things can be canceled in Jesus Christ. So let's get started in Second Peter Chapter two. <coughs> this is Second Peter chapter two, and I believe we're going to begin at verse one. But I want people to understand how often this relates to thugs or thug activity. So this is going to be really good for us to follow. All right, this is Second Peter two. We're going to begin at verse one, and it says, "But there were false of prophets also among the people." Even as there are, there shall be false teachers among you who shall privily bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So I know that what Peter is talking about here is the false prophet and the false teachers that will bring in uh, damnable heresies. Now, would this be something that the church should worry about? Absolutely. I'll give you an example. We deal with rap music today that a lot of people have tried to Christianize and call it rap music, you know, a Christian rap, which really there is no such thing. And if anybody wants to understand more concerning that, go to Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundoftrumpetministries.com, and look up a teaching called The Nature of the Beats that we did about two years ago. But it'll tell you how, you know, no matter what, rap is of the wrong spirit because it doesn't glorify God, okay? But I just want to bring in this point that these damnable heresies, people telling you that rap music is okay and how it's brought in privily to entertain, but it says that um, that it denies even the Lord that bought them and brings upon themselves swift destruction. This is verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, 
by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So as you can see, when you got traditionalists like me, and I'm not against, you know, music today, that if it's a part of the spirit of God, that's one thing. But here we're talking about that, you know, it will be called evil spoken of. So if I'm, you know, here defending psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs like the Bible says, you will find a lot of people that will come against me because they don't want to change their ways. They don't want to conform to the spirit of God. So they'll try to bring the world into church. And somehow the church has just fallen asleep and allowed this. But you see, they would call me evil when all I'm doing is standing for scripture and what the Bible stands for. So he says that a lot of people will call the traditional ways or the ways of God evil. This is verse three. And through covetousness shall they with feign words, with weak words, soft words, make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. So you see the soft spoken words of a false prophet that will allow these things in the churches, this thug behavior, this thug mentality. You're even seeing it amongst pastors today. You know, they're riding around in their Bentleys and all their cars. You know, a lot of them are like modern day hustlers and pimps. This is a big part of why, you know, people can't pick up the spirit today because they're listening to those feigned words of these false prophets telling them to have their best life now. And what are they doing in the process? You know, Christian rap in the church. What are they doing? Kirk Franklin and all these other guys that have come up that G. Craig Lewis speaks about. You know, a lot of them are making merchandise of the people. When this whole thing is supposed to be about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. This is verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So, do, so think about this. Noah was only one of eight people that actually got on the ark and believed. So I know that what I'm presenting tonight is going to be the minority. But you know what? If you be in Christ, you are the majority, not the minority. Jesus said there would be few that would find the way. So let's just continue. I want to get to this part too. So then it says, this is, uh, I believe, uh, verse 6. It says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. So, you know, we also have a teaching called, um, you know, strange fire that we really got to be careful what we offer the Lord, because those things that he never asked for, we can't Christianize and make it about him. So it says, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now, this is what's happening to the church in many ways, and this is how this thug spirit has come in. And this isn't even just church. Like I said, if you pay attention to certain music or you hang around certain people that have a thug-like mentality, it will vex your soul with the filthy conversation that they, that they get into, and you'll find yourself cursing and acting very much like a thug or involved in thug behavior. That happens because you are the company you keep. 
The Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And because of that, you've got the church walking in the ways of the world and calling such filth of God. Now, I want to talk about this because you got to see how, you know, everything biblical or everything um, physical has a spiritual backing. Think about the fact, folks, that if you got Jay-Z making all this money, he called himself the God MC. He called himself Jehovah. So, you know, like trying to be Jehovah. But think about it. If it was all about rap music, why is such blasphemy being brought forward that he calls himself a God MC and Jehovah? So we got to understand that there is something spiritual taking place where the enemy is trying to work his way in. And it's also to blaspheme your God. Also, I remember Kanye West um, years back did had a video or, or I mean, a, a, an album called Jesus, like for Kanye. But yeah, instead of being Jesus, he called himself Jesus. And you should hear, man, I mean, just the lyrics that are brought forward. What blasphemy was allowed to come in? Now, some people may say, well, they're not Christian rappers. They may not be. But when you listen to the things of Kirk Franklin and you think of all these so-called Christian rappers, you should see how this rap game today is mixed in with homosexuality and all other sorts of sins. So you see, you've got to understand where this thing is going. If it's not of the spirit of God, it is not of God. We have to worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay, so it says that Lot's, Lot's soul was vexed. Okay, with the filthy conversation of those that were in Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is why the devil blasts your airwaves with such filth to get the church and people on board with it. Verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despised government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. So what do we understand about the hip-hop game, about the rap game, about the thug? He says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh, so you know it's not of the spirit, and in the lust of uncleanness. Look at how the rap game is just so full of its own wretchedness that it glories in its shame. You know, half of these people look dirty, don't take a shower. Look at the dress code, man. Look at the hanging pants. Look at the filth that comes out of their mouths and the stuff that they get into. It says that they, des they despise government. They hate for someone to tell you what to do. And this is what you have today due to the music and the thug culture. You got a bunch of rebels running around not wanting to be addressed. Now, some people would say, well, you're just talking about the black community. No, this thing is spread out all over. When you look at guys like James Dean and you look at guys like Elvis and you look at Henry, uh, what's his name? Henry Winkler that played the Fonzie on Happy Days. That's a thug spirit. Remember, little guys like Richie Cunningham were the boring guys, but then you had the Fonz that would come up on his motorcycle following James Dean, and what would he have? That thug mentality that people would push in society that was considered so macho. Man, it spawned a whole bunch of rebels in the 20th century and 21st now. 
So it says they're presumptuous. They are self-willed. And you see how that's praised today? And they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. They don't. They just say any filthy thing that comes out of their mouths. Look at verse 11. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. So as you can see that even the angels themselves wouldn't even act that way before God. But look at fallen man. Look at rebellious man. They have guts to say what they're saying, and they don't care if they offend God. No fear of the Lord whatsoever. And that's why this thing is growing in the churches, and this thing will continue in society, because there is no fear of God in the land. But look at what verse 12 identifies them as. But these are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And you know, that's a big part of what the thug spirit is about. It gets you to wallow in your own wretchedness and you destroy yourself trying to be the biggest, baddest boy out there. When these streets have an expiration date, when living the life of a thug has a short, uh, you know, um, a short lifespan. You know, a lot of them don't live very long from living the life of a thug, taking women home on the streets, getting into arguments, trying to be bad. And only the baddest men are dead or in jail. So this is all about walking a straight and narrow path. But the Bible here in verse 12 calls them natural brute beasts and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. And this is what you find, you know, a lot of them are, they are going to get the reward of what they're in. So my hope tonight is to talk to people about how to get out, how to change your life and understand that the Bible talks about these things. So, you know, they count it as pleasure to riot in the daytime. They enjoy going out, looking unto mischief, you know, feet that are swift to run to blood. They like to get into trouble and they like that thug mindset. So it says, having eyes full of adultery and, the, and they cannot cease from sin, beguiling like tricking unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. So this is a mouthful. There's no doubt that the thug spirit would get involved in adultery, but then it talks about, uh, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. Most of what joins gangs today, or because life imitates art and people today are sheeple, they can't think for themselves. What you often find is, what are in gangs are unstable souls, usually kids that have no parents or no background, usually rejected children that are picked on. These are who join gangs and become thugs. Why? Because they feel like that that society is a good friend to them. They think if they portray themselves as tough guys, that they won't be mistreated or treated wrongly, that they'll get some sort of respect. But the Bible calls them covetous practices because a lot of people will get into them only because they seek a life to have more. They'll go out and sell drugs. They'll go out and rob and steal for it other than work for it because they want to be accepted. 
They want to be part of a whole. They want more in life. They want to drive the biggest car. They want the biggest gold chains. They want to be seen as someone with respect. But the Bible calls it covetous practices and calls them cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. So many of you so-called thugs, you guys were raised in church. Y'all were raised to know the Lord and fear him. But a lot of people are going um, with it and they forsaken the right way because they think that they're gaining something in the way of the thug. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So what is this talking about? The Bible talked about Balaam and Balak. You know, Balak was a king or a guy who influenced Balaam. Or, or Balaam was a guy who influenced Balak to go and try and fight with the children of Israel. The children of Israel, which were God's people, were a people that could not be beaten because they kept their eyes focused on God. So what this Balaam did was he went to this King Balak, who was king of the Philistines, and said, hey, here's how you deal with, or I think he went to the, he's the king of the Moabites, but he went to the Moabites and said, here's how you beat the children of Israel. You get these beautiful Moabite women and you introduce them or bring them into, into the society of the children of Israel. And the children of Israel would start fooling around with the Moabite women and forget all about God's people. Forget all about the people that were or, or God's commandments. So this in many ways is what you're seeing today on TV. You got Nicki Minaj, you got Trina, you got all those women out there that these guys want to be like. And because these women want thug men, you find a lot of men flocking to that behavior. You know, women can't be women anymore and men can't be respectable men. You got this filth peddled on TV and this is what a lot of people flock to. So this is the doctrine of Balaam, how they brought in unrighteousness to try and seduce man into not following God. So he says, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, verse 16, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass, like as in donkey speaking, with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, so they have no Holy Ghost. Uh, clouds that are carried with the tempest, of whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. So, you know, if you guys continue in the lifestyle that you're living and the things that you're doing, although we intend to go more unto um, talking about this spirit, you know, uh, because one is a thug spirit, and another is a diva spirit, and they are both gods of Hinduism and Buddhism. You guys got to do your research and understand where this comes from. So he says the mist of darkness will be upon them forever if they don't change their ways. He called them clouds that are carried with the tempest, clouds that just wander, you know, and that's a big part of the thug spirit. Verse 18, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they are lured through the lust of the flesh. Now, this is what you hear a lot. They are great swelling, great puffed up words of vanity that you're hearing from the thug spirit, the thug mentality. And then it says they allure uh, through the lust of the flesh. And that's what you find in a lot of rap music and stuff going on. What do they do? They talk about what they have. I've got a nice car. I've got a nice house. 
I'm slanging and peddling this and that. I'm sleeping with this girl or that girl. I'm the baddest boy on the planet. This is what they talk about. Through much wantingness, through much greed, those that were clean escaped from them who lived in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. So, you know, even in the music industry, even in a lot of the thug mentality and how people join gangs, what do they promise? Liberty. Man, don't go to school. Don't be somebody in society. You know, don't be respectable. Man, drop out of school so you can make some money, so you can be rich, so you can live life without people telling you what to do. So you see, that's the promise of liberty, but you'll find in a gang, it's anything but liberty. Because why? You've got to be blood in or blood out. You've got to kill to get in, and you've got to be killed to get out. So as you can see, this isn't liberty. This isn't the liberty that they promised you, that you can be on your own and be your own person. All you became was part of a clique that is so wicked that if you try and get out of it, you'll see what the result is, that they'll come after you. So it says, they are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. So, you know, the Bible here is even talking about even those who might have escaped the lifestyle, if they were to go back, they would get brought into bondage. Verse 20, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end of the of the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So as you can see, this is the Lord also talking about that for those who might have escaped the lifestyle of sinners and have decided to go back to it, he says the later state of them is worse than the first. So you can compare this with Luke 11 and 21 where the Bible says, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh around in dry places seeking rest and finding none. So that spirit will say, hey, I will try and get back into the house which I was kicked out of. So what does the spirit do? It brings people back and then you find, oh, it comes back into the person with seven other spirits more wicked than themselves and the later state of the person is worse than the first. And this is what happens when people get saved and they want to come to the Lord and you find that there's still some of the world left in them. They try and bring Christian rap in and it's hard to convince these people that that lifestyle is not of Jesus Christ. Okay? So then it says in verse 21, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But as it is happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed uh, to her wallowing in the mire. So the Lord is saying here that, you know, and after people hear these words tonight, if you want to continue to be a thug or you're someone that has escaped it and wanted to go back to it, God here is saying that it would be like a dog turning back and eating its own vomit. And it would say that a pig would go right back into the mud after it was cleaned. So my hope tonight out of love is that you guys will receive Jesus Christ and really understand that this thing is spiritual, that you will walk in the ways of righteousness, leave that thug mentality, and move on with the Lord.
Okay, so that's it. And I believe from here that we are able to go into prayer. Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time you've given me with my sisters, that we get to partake in your word, Lord, and to edify one another with the body. Lord, we intend to tackle a difficult subject tonight, one that a lot of people may not understand, but Lord, we know that these things are true, and we know that through your spirit that all things are revealed as to what they are. Yes, sir. And that's why we need, your, we need your heart, Lord. We need your mind so that we can discern the time, Lord, because the days are evil. So I pray in Jesus' name Jesus that you name. bind every yes. foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every thug spirit, every demon dog spirit, every spirit that is anti-Christ, Lord, that is against you, I proclaim in, the G in Jesus' name that it be cut down. So, Lord, I'm just asking that you look after the brethren who couldn't make it today. I'm asking as a ministry that we might grow, Lord, and be a part of what you want. I'm asking that your perfect will might be done in us. And if there's anything, Lord, that is keeping us from serving, let those things be moved out of the way. Yes, For these are the times that try men's souls, Lord. And I'm just asking that you be that shepherd, that you watch over us in all that we do. Thank and we know that you are because you are faithful and true. And I'm just asking, Lord, that no flesh be glorified tonight. I'm praying that no man's heart be heard. I'm praying that we don't utter words that don't come from you. Yes, and I pray, Lord, that this message gets out to the youth, that it gets out to those who won't receive it, Lord, that we have a real enemy and all he has is his tricks. But, Lord, if you give us the mind of Christ and you cover us in the full armor, there is nothing that the enemy can't do. So you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and you are worthy of all praises. Lord, send the Holy Ghost, Lord, with great power, Lord, and glory, that we might understand, Lord, what you are wanting to present. Yes, Jesus. Do it, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' Jesus. name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So this is a study I've been looking into for a while that I wanted to do. But, of course, you know, we wait on the Lord to see what things that he wants us to do and how he wants us to present. Because, you know, we really should practice what it is to be obedient before the Lord, even in everything. No matter how much of the Bible we know, sometimes more important than what is when. When, do you, you know, the word and season the Bible talks about. And, you know, how we are to follow his instruction and be led of the Spirit and also walking in the Spirit. But tonight's study is going to be called the Thug Spirit. Beware of the thug spirit. And the reason why we're going here is because I've found that this thing is so captivating. This thing is so strong. Is it really, um, can there ever be such a spirit that can allow you to joy in your own wretchedness? Has there ever been a spirit so low that can make you actually indulge and enjoy being ignorant? You know, and I, and I and and dirtier that, yeah. 
and then you try and, um, you know, put all kinds of glitz and glamour and things into it to make it seem like it's something more than what it really is, when really it's just from the bowels of hell, you know, it's, it's stinking, it's nasty, it's detestable, but, you know, we intend to tackle this tonight because... Um, I think a lot of youth are being taken over by it. I see a lot of men that can't even grow up. I see a lot of women even adopting the thug style. So, you know, we're going to find out that this thing is more spiritual than it ever was physical. We're going to get into the history. We're going to get into what these things are about and how dangerous it is to have this mindset, you know. And um, we're going to see how many cultures have actually been involved with this. So... I think it's going to be a great study, but first and foremost, let's go to Psalm 140, and then we'll get right into this lesson about the thug spirit. Psalm 140. I mean, you even got businessmen in suits that are thugs today. We even got the thug behavior in church. This thing is everywhere. This isn't just about some bums on the street. All right, so this is Psalm 140, and we'll begin at verse 1. And it says, this is um, a Psalm of David. And he says, Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine, which imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. Now, you know, I can't say in my youth growing up in Brooklyn that I was ever a thug. But I will say that there were places in my life where this spirit was a part of me. And what's interesting about it is, you know, growing up in that atmosphere, you almost, you know, forgot about the day-to-day stuff that most responsible people do. All you do is, you know, you work out in the morning, you know, you wear the clothes that you think you should have. And even if you went to school, you still have the mentality of, if anybody comes my way, it's on. And that's a, that's a mentality that you need to be free from. But who can even think when you go to work, you think like that way? When you have children, you think that way. When you're a man with a career, you're thinking that way. I mean, just imagine going to school where you should be learning and really um, focusing on how to be a better person in society and, and contribute something to it. But yet, you're a thug. And that's all you're concerned with. So this is what David is talking about. When he says, which imagine mischiefs in their heart continually, or are they gathered together for war? Mm-hmm. And that's all you hear from thugs, you know, about being the biggest, baddest boy on the planet and, you know, what they're going to do if something comes their way. This is an actual mentality. And as you can see, this is David speaking a thousand BC. Mm-hmm. This is the time when, you know, Saul and other people were after him. But remember, David, you know, had to run for his life. But he always asked the Lord to take vengeance and to deal with those things. And that's what we talk about concerning, you know, having patience in the Lord and vengeance being his. So he said they gather and all they can think in their heart continually is war. This is verse three. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adders, poison is under their lips. Uh, Selah, keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have a purpose to overthrow my goings. Now, as David was, you know, falsely accused in in this time of his life, you get that a lot too growing up in the hood. 
everybody is in everybody's business and everybody's got something negative to say about somebody, whether it's to their face or when they walk away. It's such a destructive atmosphere growing up in the hood that you just think about all people can think about is trouble and somehow they glory in it. I remember seeing when I was younger, I remember the first time I ever saw a fight. I think I was in kindergarten or maybe first grade, but I remember it was my first day of school. I was down at PS21 and I remember, um, you know, just after school making new friends and going through the day. Next thing you know, you know, a fight broke out. And I mean, you know, you could hear the loud roaring people standing around and cheering it on. But I can tell you for me, it frightened me because it was like stuff going on. I just wanted to run away. But then I couldn't help but focus my eyes on the people that were in the crowd, you know, just sitting there smiling. I mean, you would have thought that they were playing, you know, they were winning money at a casino or something, but they were just smiling and yeah, yeah, get them, stomp them, beat that so-and-so or whatever. And they were like, you know, giving each other high fives while you got two girls beating the heck out of each other. I mean, holding each other, slamming faces into fire hydrants. And I mean, like, going at it. And, and that was that was entertainment. So the question would be, how do we even get there? How do we even become like this? But you see, there's a literal spirit that is in the world that wants you to be a no good for nothing, to live your life that way and to call it okay. And not just that, to be proud of it. And, and then to promote that type of behavior, which is truly animalistic at its core. Yeah, go ahead, sir. And also when it talks about in verse 3, they have sharpened their tongues like a serpent, adder's poison is under their lips, is gangs, oftentimes they antagonize one another. Like if one Absolutely. game walks past another game, they'll start calling them names and saying different stuff mm -hmm. and showing their signs and whatnot to get them upset in order to like ensue a fight. Mm -hmm. And some of them, exactly, they will egg each other on, you know, just to go into further mischief. So, you know, that's just something what David is saying, you know, keep me from the wicked man. You know, this is verse five. The proud have hid a snare for me. The cords, they have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins for me, say love. Now, if these are the same gins that I'm thinking of, you know, let me look that um, up real quick as far as what the gins are. Because I know in um, Islam, they're spelled another way. But I'm going to look that up real quick. I mean, it's just really interesting. All this stuff comes together, even the thug spirit. Because a lot of people don't understand what it really means or really under, you know, represents. They think that it just spawns from, you know, the ghetto streets of New York, Chicago, San Francisco, San Diego, and prison. But there's so, like we're talking about today, there's so much more into it than that. Mm -hmm. And just getting back to what we're saying here of the scriptures and what it really, when it was brought forth. Mm -hmm. So gins here means bait, to lure, or to snare. So, you know, this has got Satan written all over it. It says to lure, entice, snare, lay a snare, or lure. And this is what you find. They call them fowlers, like entrappers or, you know, people that ensnare you. But, you know, this is also a spirit that works this way. Remember when, you know, they find lots of rejected people to join in their groups or to be a part of it. Usually a child has a bad home life. 
you almost never, except in rare cases where a child is that kind of seed, you almost never see a child that is well-to-do in a gang. You know, now I, there are, you know, reports of this. You find, like, I think the mobster, Sammy the Bull Gravano came. His dad was a rich businessman, but he still chose that life. So I'm not saying it's all about being deprived. But the thing is, is there's a wicked seed in play when people are like this. What drew Sammy the Bull? Power. You know, it wasn't just money. Yeah, he was greedy for money, but it was also power that he sought. So these are the snares that the, that the enemy can throw his arm around you and say, well, we'll be your family when no one is your family. Look at this wad of cash in my pocket. Look at the jewels. Look at the car that I'm driving. Those things are snares because they bring you in, but they never tell you the end result that you could do 35 to life, that you may have to kill somebody to join or lose your life in the process. So let me continue. Verse six, I said unto the Lord, thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. So imagine, you know, how so many people want to be thugs out there. They're fighting for themselves, but God will fight the battle for you. This is what you want. You know, where you get to hold your peace and the Lord will fight that battle for you and through you. Verse 8, grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked, further not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves. As for the head of those that compass me about, compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits, that they rise not up again. So David is saying, Lord, whatever you so choose, whatever is going to be, you know, Lord, you deal with it. But these people seek my life. They want to hurt me. They want to do things to me. But David is saying, Lord, let burning coals fall upon their heads. Like maybe some of them might even turn and recognize where they're wrong and want to change. But as for others, he was saying, hey, you know, throw them in the pit. You know, verse 11, let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. And this is why the Bible tells us to let the Lord's vengeance be upon something. Because when they say what goes around comes around, this is so true. If you decide to engage or take revenge on what someone has done to you, now you've got to look over your shoulder because that type of punishment might be exact and it may come around. So David is asking to be free from that. And that's why it says in verse 11, let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. So what does that mean? You live by the sword, you die by the sword. And that's why we got to be real careful on how we walk and how we live. And I want thugs to even understand this as well. You might have won today, but you don't win in the long run. Those streets have an expiration date on them. And people have got to understand what the driving force is behind all of this, which we're going to go into. Verse 12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. So that's what's just so awesome because you know, if you follow the Lord, you can't be wrong. You can't end up in the wrong place. It's only going to lead to eternal life, a fruitful life that you might grow in grace and you may be with Christ. But when you live the life of, 
you know, live fast, die young, play hard, fast money, fast times. Those days have an expiration date on them. No matter who you are, the biggest, baddest boy, whether you're Al Capone or you're John Wayne Gacy, they all been caught. They all have fallen. None of them have ever kept their place where they were and ended up, you know, falling to pieces. So no matter how mighty some people appear to be, the Lord will pull them down if they choose not to follow the ways of the Lord. Right. All right, because he said that the wicked... You know, um, the wicked are preserved unto judgment. So, you know, we don't want to fool around with God. So let's go to um, go to Psalm 7. But I want to read something real quick concerning the thug spirit. This is just one part. And it says, people sometimes ask me when I am teaching on this topic, why do you have to bring religion into it? Through my research over the years, I have discovered that every component of thug mentality is religious, even the name thug itself, believe it or not. All of it has its roots in Bible history. It is uh, impossible to deal with this subject effectively without dealing with it from a spiritual level. To do otherwise would be just plucking the fruit and leaving the root. I like that because that's exactly right. The Bible will bring everything back to where it should be, get to the root of the problem and deal with it. Mm -hmm. But people don't understand that behind everything physical, there's a spiritual component. Mm -hmm. So he says, I do not ask my uh, caseloads anymore when they plan to get out of their gang. I now ask them, when are you going to come out of that religious cult? Because that's exactly what it is. If you find gangs are very much like, you know, churches. People come in, they all say the same thing, they all live the same way, they all like the same types of music, they all like to, you know, represent themselves in a similar fashion, and in many cases, they're on one accord for an agenda, even if it's to be the biggest, baddest gang that there is, that is what their agenda is. Mm -hmm. So he says, the culture or cult? After researching the history of the dark uh, Babylonian art, it is evident that street gangs possess and practice everything everything a typical pagan cult does. Let me explain. The definition of an occult is relating to involving or typical of the supposed supernatural magic or witchcraft. Let's first look at some of the cultic practices that were done in ancient Babylon. Now, you know that the, the first is drugs. They talk about the drugs were part of ancient Babylon. You know, the Bible calls it sorcery, pharmakia. A lot of them would do that to what? Get inspiration and go further into the spirit realm to deal with familiar spirits. Mm -hmm. The second is tattooing. Now, tattooing is a big part of Babylon, big part of gangs. The third is sexual perversion. Now, you know, Babylon was known for their perversion. And this is all you hear gangs talk about when they're singing their songs. Yep. All they can talk about is what B, what Ho they had or what they were doing. And you can even find it even more perverse how these men, even in prison, you know, are into homosexuality lifestyles. As you can see, you know, when you open that door, no matter what, it, you know, the floodgates just bust open. Yep, exactly. Next is cursing. Now, you know... Um, a lot of people may um, say, well, you know, I curse. That ain't, that's not a big deal, but cursing is not of God. It's corrupt speech. It's foul language. And that's why when you look up the word profanity, profane means 
that which makes a temple dirty. Now, when you look at what is profane, you know, it's what's coming out of your mouth. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's no wonder that, you know, there's so much filth in the music and in the, in the culture, because that's what they enjoy. Next is musical worship. Now, you know they do. I mean, a lot of them will sea walk, what they call crip walking, or doing whatever. They all sit around, play music, and, and battle rhyme, and do all this stuff. And it says, a dancing, a form of worship. So, you know, they a, a lot of um, thugs, before they would even go out and kill someone, they had this thing called Ride or Die, where they would get in the car, listen to rap music, and as they listen to all this stuff, they would get angrier and angrier. One guy told... Um, What's that guy's name? Uh, the guy who talks so much about hip-hop. The the um, pastor. Uh, oh, man. It'll come back to me. But he's a little short, fat, black guy. You know, with a bald head. I cannot remember his name, but he brought this whole thing up. And he said that they, they told him they would get angrier and angrier. And he said, after listening to 20 minutes of that, you can go and shoot your own mother. Because that spirit is going into you where you just got that violence on you. Now, it'll come back to me. I think it's JCCJ something, something Lewis. Something, something Lewis, huh? He's a pastor? He's a pastor of a church and he does all these hip-hop um, conferences. I can't remember, but I know his last name is Lewis. C, it's not C.L. Lewis. It's not something, but it's not C.S. Lewis, whatever, but He's a big part of that. And, you know, he, he was talking about how that dance and that musical worship will cause them to do what they're doing. So the next is chanting. You know, they do a lot of chanting. And then it says painting symbols. Now, you know that they would paint a lot of symbols in Babylon, but also a lot of thugs will have graffiti about what's on their turf, right? And all the stuff that they do. So it says, how many similarities do you see between these acts of the occult and those of the street gang. The music industry has become G. Craig Lewis, that's his name. G. Craig Lewis is the guy that we're talking about that, um, that he was told these things. So then it says, the music industry has become a street cult, a supreme guru and church. This music has created a cult uh, of millions of thug wannabes. What is the cult and where do cults come from? The question I'm often asked is where did all these religions and gods come from and how do I know which one is the true one? Well, if you believe the Holy Bible, which later on in this book, I will present to you undeniable proof why the Bible is the most supernatural and accurate book ever created. And do your research. You will discover that you can trace all the foreign gods such as Tao or Taoism yin and yang associated with martial arts, yoga, feng shu, and tai chi. The uh, numerous Hindu gods such as Kali, Shiva, Greek gods such as Zeus, Amitra, and even the Muslim god Allah, back to the patient pagan, I mean the ancient pagan worship dating to Babylon BC as described in the book of Genesis of the Old Testament. So as you can see, all these things will come together. Now, we'll get back into this, but for now, I want to get into more of, you know, the behaviors of how thugs act. So let's go to uh, Psalm 7, Psalms chapter 7. 
and we'll get right into this. All right. So we'll go to Psalm 7, and we'll begin at verse 1. And it says, O Lord, my God, because this is um, another of, of David. O Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rendering it in pieces, while there is none to deliver. Now, as you can see, this is a big part of thug mentality too, because what happens with a lot of people is they are so cold today. When, when Jesus talked about the love of many will wax cold, how they can just go and shoot somebody. Innocent life means nothing to them. Mm -hmm. And then just go and eat lunch. Like it's no big deal. Who can do that other than Satan? Who could do that other than a demon? And we're going to hold where we are at Psalm 7. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And then we're going to get into this. What the Bible talks about in the last days. Jesus has got some stuff to say about this too. So this is 2 Timothy 3, and we're going to begin at verse 1. Look at what it says. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, dangerous times, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. So they are covetous. You know, covetous people are greedy people. Then there are boasters, like a lot of people out there like rappers. You know, they'll just talk so much about what they have and who they are, how much clout. Then it says proud, blasphemers. Don't even, I mean, yeah, a lot of these people can be one to the Lord, but what you find in many cases is, you know, they don't want to know the Lord. Most of these kids would, wouldn't, you know, grew up in church and they still had a mentality, you know, for violence. So then it says disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Mm. This is exactly what David was talking about in Psalm 140, how the mentality of these individuals would be so animalistic that he wanted God to defend him so he wouldn't be a part of it. Yep. Then it says traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And this is how you can have some people grow up knowing the Lord, but turn aside from the Lord's ways because they might see that the Lord's ways don't aren't that productive in terms of what you can have in this physical carnal life. How a lot of people are brought into gangs and what they get into is always about the lure of sexual perversion, about the lure of having a car, about the lure of being the baddest boy on the planet, owning a gun, you know, and, and, and having some clout and respect that they wouldn't have otherwise. And another way that this thug spirit works too a lot of these people through fear have also been victims. They've also been beaten up and, and humiliated to the point to where they say, you know what, I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to carry my gun. I'm going to join a gang for my own protection. So as you can see, this thug spirit doesn't just bully people, but it also gets those who are bullied on board with it to fight back. And we're going to find out why it's so bloodthirsty. Why the Lord to kill and murder and to maim is so prevalent, prevalent here because we're going to find out what these people are worshiping exactly. This thing is more spiritual than it ever was physical. And that's something that we've just got to know. So we can, um, so then they said lovers of pleasures uh, more than lovers of God. 
Then it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So you know that this is not talking about, you know, the Bible. I mean, it's not talking about church. But right now he's talking about the mentality of people in the last days. A self-serving people. And, and, and they don't care what they will do to get what they want. Yep. All right. So we can head back to Psalm 7. You know, tonight's study is again on the thug spirit. Because I think a lot of young men are struggling with this. And they don't even know what is drawing them to do what they do. So we're going to go to uh, back to Psalm 7. And we're going to hear what David is saying concerning this. All right. Psalm 7, and uh, I'll start it over. We'll begin at verse 1. So he says, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rendering it in pieces while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let, my, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust, Selah. So what David is saying is, Lord, because he's had enemies and those who would come after him, he had Philistines, he had Saul, he had all of this. He said, Lord, if I have done any of what my enemies are trying to do to me, then let me be torn in pieces. Let me be taken apart. But this is a part of David's humiliation showing, Lord, no one should get treated like this. And that's why, you know, if you grew up in the hood, there really is just so much bullying. It's not even funny, even from a woman's standpoint. I remember some girls would come to school and because they had long hair and they were light-skinned. A lot of the black women that didn't have that, they hated them. They would beat them up in the bathroom, take their earrings and stuff like that, all because, you know, they were jealous and, and they didn't feel like they could have the same things. I mean, that's a big part of this spirit where it just really does victimize people. Mm -hmm. This is verse 6. Arise, O Lord, in thine anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about for their sakes. Therefore return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. So you see how he's talking about, uh, he's not intending to fight his own battles. He's letting the Lord take care of them. He says, my defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. So one thing we got to understand is, and I want to talk to those who are out there in gangs and doing their thing, you better let God be your defense and step out of that life. Because if it was really your family, they wouldn't be telling you blood in, blood out. They wouldn't be telling you, oh, you got to kill to get in this. But then if you want to change your life, 
oh, well, we're going to have to either jump you out, like beat you up, or you're going to have to die if you want out of this. That's not a family. That's not someone who loves and cares for you. These are people, this is a demon-infested environment that don't want you to part ways with it. You even find this this thug spirit in churches. A lot of churches have this mentality. Man, you leave the group, don't ever think about showing your face around here again. That's a demon-infested environment. And that's one thing that Pastor Price was saying for years, and I agree, everything is tribal. Everything is on a tribal level. Even the people of God versus the religious people, versus the thugs, versus the prostitutes, versus the rich, you know, or the very poor. Even the homeless, when we go out there and talk to them, you see how they're very tribal, mm -hmm. how they look after one another, they enjoy being together, how even our sister Sandy, with all she's going through, look at how no matter what, even when she should get her own life together, to live, she's still loyal to the principles of the streets. Mm -hmm. She still wants to get high and look after the people that are there because she feels like she's a part of a group, not even realizing that group is destroying her. Right. She's had opportunities to work and go on and do different things, but that lure for acceptance and that, that spirit of rejection, which is also a part of the thug spirit, will make a person want to flock to things even if they don't have your best interest at heart. It's a terrible thing. I mean, and we've got to recognize when we are dealing with this. So David is saying the Lord is his defense. The Lord saves those who are upright. God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword and have bent his bow and made it ready. So as you can see, there are people that have been out there in the streets for years doing what they're doing. And, you know, this is really important to me tonight to really get this point across because I'm finding even a lot of youth that probably started in this ministry are involved in things like this. And it's because they want to be accepted. Mm -hmm. What people have got to understand is the way to acceptance is to be made whole in Jesus, not to go out and join the gang. Because when you join that gang, there's certain laws, there's certain rules. If you don't apply to the rules that they give you, these people will destroy you. And, and, and then when you engage in this, now you've got to look over your own back and try and figure out, you know, where safety is. That's no place to be. I was never a thug. Well, according to my standards, I was never in a gang. But the, but the point I'm making is, is that I remember what it was like to live life on the edge. I remember what it was like to go to school and you're carrying weapons because you don't know who's going to do what to you. That's an awful way to live. I mean, every day I would be home working out, thinking about, man, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to fight this guy tomorrow. Man, it's a miserable life. You can get used to it, but it's such a miserable life. And God wants so much more for us. Anyway, let me continue. So he says, uh, verse 13, he hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the per the persecutors. So as you can see, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, when these streets have an expiration date, eventually your number will be called. Why? Because if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Verse 14, behold, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and brought, and brought forth of falsehood. Uh, he made a pit and digged it and is fallen into the ditch which he made. 
And that's why a lot of these youth out here, they get into things that even they don't understand. As you continue to go out there and do evil and live like the devil, I mean, eventually you are going to reap what you sow. It's kind of like digging your own grave because God talks about those things that are promised to those who are righteous and upright versus those who live life by the sword. You know, so these are things that people need to really understand that you're digging your own ditch. Uh, his mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. Uh, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. So that's something that we ought to recognize that even when we are challenged, because this spirit is not just on the streets like we talked about, it's even at work. You know, you always have that little in click where they all hang together in the morning. And if you're not one of them, you get singled out. But we've got to recognize that the Lord will fight our battles and we're not to engage in this. So I'm going to read a little bit more of this and then we're going to really get into this. But, I mean, if you guys look at some of these pictures, just to show you there's nothing new under the sun, and they're going to be up on the site, there are no changes, I mean, in, in everything. Like when they talk about gangster poses, gangster lean, man, you had the Indian thuggy cult doing that way back when. Look at these two guys. I mean, check this out. Look at this guy. How they said this guy looks like uh, Tupac. I think this guy is called Benhab, uh, Benhab, um, something, Thug Benhab. But look at that. I mean, you know, look at the hairstyle. People think Tupac wore a rag on his head, or these thugs are actually doing that because that's what they were into. All that stuff goes back to Babylon and the thuggy cult. There is nothing new under the sun. So we're going to expose some of this stuff. All right, so this guy says, um, I'm going to uh, get into this. But he's talking about um, Bruce Lee, uh, the deceased legendary artist, writes, um, on unity with uh, Tao, a personal experience. He says, I lay on the boat and felt that I had uh, united with Tao. I had become one with nature. In his book, um, Tao of Jeet he writes, the spirit is no doubt the controlling agent of our existence. Uh, this invisible seat controls every moment in whatever situation arises. And is, it is this, or it is thus to be extremely freedom, uh, never stopping, in any place at any moment, uh, preserve this state of spiritual freedom and non-attachment as soon as you um, assure the fighting stance. Be master of the house. So, you know, this is kind of like what they would tell you to, you know, um, what your mentality would be like in fighting. Be detached. Be your own man. Be the best you can be. And I mean, these things are not of God. So he says entertainment is one of the biggest catalysts of the occult. Because entertainment molds the culture within our communities. We have Harry Potter, which had inspired countless youth uh, to experiment and engage in witchcraft and in the occult. Why? Because the youth are eagerly looking for something powerful, real, and supernatural to solve life's problems and bring excitement and purpose to their lives. The Disney series That's So Raven is a show about a young hip girl 
with psychic abilities, which she utilizes, uh, navigates herself and others magically out of life's problems. The Bible defines this as witchcraft. Jesus' disciples casted out a fortune-telling demon out of a girl in the New Testament book of Acts. Uh, Chris Angel, a modern-day warlock who dresses and looks like a rock star, has his own uh, show on Discovery Channel. Uh, I don't, I never heard of Chris Angels. So I don't even know who that is, but he's on Discovery Channel. But it says where he demonstrates his black magic every week. In one episode, he walks on water. In another, he walks straight through glass. But where did this cultic worship start? The Holy Bible brings light on this in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, believe it or not. But many of the cult legends and beliefs uh, validate accounts of the Garden of Eden and the Tower of Babel. So um, he's talking about how life here imitates art. There's a movie that's just come out, and I know it's going to influence a lot of people, and I know that's why they're doing it. But that movie, Black Panther, that everybody's talking about is so good. Now, remember, he's an African. I don't remember him being from Africa in the old comics, but maybe he was. But the point is, is it's a highly occult film where he speaks to familiar spirits who are supposed to be his ancestors that gives him power. So this is how life can imitate art. And you got a lot of people not even understanding what they're watching. And they're loving this stuff, like getting into it. So he says, my brother-in-law, who is a missionary trainer, told me of a friend he had who went to do a missions work in a primitive village in Africa. When he began to tell the tribe about the uh, biblical story of Babylon, how the people had begun to build the Tower of Babel, he noticed the tribal members became very attentive. Once he had finished telling the story, one of the elders of the tribe through a translator told him that the story of Babel had been passed down to their tribe for centuries and that his ancestors uh, were involved, or they meant to say were, were involved in that monumental construction project. This tribe was so primitive that they had no written language and had never heard or been told about the Holy Bible until the missionary spoke of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you can see, a lot of cultures all over the world, they're very deep in history concerning where things come from. But what do we find in America? It's watered down and it's pushed aside. Yep. And you see, this is why I know that this country itself is one of the most satanic places where the devil can really do his work because it's so blinded in deceit, where these people have like a history of things that went on. And being a Christian elsewhere is serious. So he says, in many of these occult, uh, these occults throughout the world, they pay homage to the snake or serpent as a sign of wisdom. Let me give you a little background on the serpent from the cultic uh, perspective. One of the Babylonian gods named Ashura, which is, you know, Astaroth and Diana and all, you know, Easter and all that, in which the Israelites of the Old Testament in their disobedience built altars to called high places where perverted sexual rituals were performed under a belief that it is Asherah's snake uh, that enlightened Eve to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge so she could uh, be empowered and be like God. A Satanist on my uh, unit told me uh, he believed likewise. Many religions such as ancient Mayans and voodoo tribes also pay homage to the serpent. It is Satan, the serpent, 
which first isolated and convinced Eve to eat uh, from the forbidden fruit. Satan tempted her by making her believe that uh, he would reveal to her a powerful secret, a secret that he said would empower her to be like God. The temptation was so great for Eve uh, that she disobeyed God's divine order of Adam as um, headship over the home and asserted uh, herself to make this tragic decision herself. Satan's great secret was sin, and steadily throughout uh, the years, he cleverly crafted sin within man-made religion. Once Eve took part of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and gave it to her husband Adam, Satan's secret uh, would be revealed for all mankind. Satan had a diabolical plan to get man uh, to meet their fate uh, in the eternal lake of fire, just like he and his demons would. Satan has been ejected, has been ejected uh, out of heaven for the treasure, for the treason, sorry, um, he committed against Almighty God as the head angel, uh, Lucifer, which he was known at the time as um, was found with the sin of pride in his heart. He desired to place his throne over God. He wanted to be like God. The Holy Bible makes it very clear that Satan's main objective and mission is to be worshipped, whether directly or indirectly. We see this in Scripture when Satan tempted to get Jesus, attempted to get Jesus uh, to worship him in the desert during the 40-day fast. The Bible describes how Satan set up temples so people would sacrifice to his demons, which indirectly gave him worship because he is uh, the king of the demonic uh, underworld of false gods and religions uh, or creations of Satan. Therefore, the worship of them is the worship of Satan. Now, this is true because a lot of people will get involved in things that are not of the Lord, don't even know what these things mean, but they think somehow that they've discovered something new. I want to read uh, one last thing, but for the meantime, let's go to um, uh, Hosea 4. Let's go to Hosea chapter 4. And this is what he says at the end of it. He said, the worship of Satan. Uh, he said, they did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. So he's saying, Revelation 16 and 14, they are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world. Uh, they gather them uh, for the battle on a great day of the Almighty. This is the culture of thug mentality. The music these artists create is all about worship, and glorification unto themselves. Through their talents, they have obtained followers who worship and idolize them known as fans. Hip-hop artists, Jay-Z, 50 Cent, are now doing Reebok commercials. Well, this must have been a while back, in which the slogan is, I am what I am. A quote from God in uh, Exodus 3 and 14. Um, you know, when, when Moses said, who shall we say sent me? And remember the Lord told Moses, I am that I am. Well, now, you know, this spirit is trying to get man to be his own God. 
And, you know, that's why Jay-Z will say, do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. That comes straight out of Aleister Crowley. So as you can see, even in the rap game, even in the stug mentality, that there is a spiritual component behind it. This is what's guiding and directing this. All right, so he says, this is what the hip-hop culture is teaching to be your own God. The hip-hop culture and the thug culture are synonymous and that they are one in the same. Kamora Lee Simmons, the wife of a hip-hop mogul, uh, Russell Simmons, uh, writes in her new book, I am a goddess and my body is my temple. And this is what you're going to see in a lot of places where um, I'm going to have a... Um, um, a slide up where it's going to show you what the thug spirit looks like. It looks like a demon with like pants hanging, wings, you know, tatted up, looking like a thug. But then along with that, on the woman's side, there is a diva spirit, and both of them are Buddhist gods. So the diva spirit can actually, you know, encourage women to be that way as well. I make my own money, bleep this, bleep that. You know, and a diva is not even considered a woman that's clean. If you think about it, it's not a woman that is well-dressed. I mean, they do become well-dressed, but one thing you learn about divas, they think by cursing that that somehow adds to their appeal. By, you know, degrading men and, you know, just doing all this stuff, that that makes them something. So they're not ladylike no matter how dressed up they are. That's all a part of this thug spirit. I'm a boss hoe. Nobody's going to tell me this and that. That's a thug spirit. Yeah. And the sad part is, is that that has become attractive to men. And you see that more and more when women are like that, that men actually start, you know, liking that because it's not, to be ladylike these days is frowned upon. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a real respectable woman at work or wherever, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, people see that and they're almost in shock. Like, you know, what is this new thing that's come about, you know? And that's because of how far times have come. Mm -hmm. You know, at work they play country music or they play rap music and all that kind of stuff. And the, the guys there, they sit there and they sing it, not even realizing what it's doing to them. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yes. Good example of that um, spirit is Nicki Minaj. Mm -hmm. And um, also, and like all the hip hop songs and stuff that you know, come out of this. Um, they use, they really do promote being uh, women being bad, like rebellious, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. the new attractive quality. Like bad bees, like a big script, not scripture like this, but like um, what did I say, lyrics, mm -hmm. <laughs> lyrical thing that they include in a lot of songs uh, to make it seem like the end thing to do. Really driving women away from mm -hmm. purity and driving women away from being classy and stuff like that. It's really about gaining attention through inappropriate ways. No, you're absolutely right, because, I mean, these women have mouths like truck drivers. I mean, like, no respect whatsoever. And they, somehow they think that that's just so classy. And it's like, that's all a part of that thug mentality. Yeah. And this thing is everywhere. You can see it. I want to find um, one other thing. But it's really the spirit, too, that attracts um, men of the Sodomite spirit mm -hmm. as well, because, um, They are, and I mean, you, you see this more and more, like even um, the thug spirit with the hanging of the pants and all that, you know, a lot of that is a part of that side of my spirit. While a lot of women realize these dudes won't marry you or do things like that with you, these men don't even like women. 
They use women, like Pastor Price said, and I agree, like a toilet. And then they just move on. And, and you find that with a lot of men. They love to be around their boys, their dogs. But something about being around a woman, mm -hmm. there may be men still walking around with like little pieces of that spirit in them. They love to be around men. Yeah, what's up, man? What's up there? But then when that girl come around or something, it's like, you know, they don't even like women. I mean, to be honest with you, that they use women. But they're not going to marry you, man. They ain't got no interest in that. And a lot of that is because of that spirit. Look at how they talk about women. And as you can find in a hip-hop game, a lot of these men, you know, they're punking each other. You know, so that's what it's really all about. So it says, this is um, Hosea 4. This is verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye children in Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no truth, no mercy nor knowledge of God in the land. So you know that the reason why these thugs are walking around like they are is because you've had a lot of rebellious parents in the 70s and 80s go on with this rap game and this garbage, and they never really taught their kids about the Lord. This is what's missing. This is why you got so many rebellion ch rebellious children in the school system. There was no fear of God. There was no teaching of Jesus Christ and what he wants. So you see, when there is no knowledge of God in the land, this is what they get. Look at verse 2. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Man, this just sounds like the thug mentality. So when there is no God, you can expect a bunch of rebellious people in the midst doing things like this. It's that blood touches blood. It sounds like today. <laughs> Verse 3, therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish, with the beast of the field, and with the fowl of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Let no man strive, nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night and will destroy thy mother. This is important too because they're talking about the priest here. Now, you know, you got a lot of churches, you got them trying to bring rap music in. And you got a lot of pastors telling people, man, this young man has been touched by God. One boy did some rap video or something I looked at and they were, and he was talking about, I got my swerve on and this and that, all that going on. You know, they call the radio station, man, this kid has been touched by God. It was supposed to be a Christian rap, but he was talking about what he was doing. I've heard Pastor Price say, now imagine you've got Jesus there, you know, on his throne. you got God the Father on his throne. you got the angels there in battle array just standing around watching, and he's presented. He's worshiping the Lord, and he's going to say, I got my swag on. You know, pants hanging, hat on backwards. You think God is going to be okay with that? It's in the wrong spirit. But you know what? People keep trying to resurrect hip-hop in the church. You know why? Because you still got that spirit. You need to let it go. Stop looking for little ways to bring that trash into the church. It is not of the spirit of God. But people will say, well, maybe if I change the words. Well, maybe if I change the beat a little bit. No, it's rap music. It did not come from heaven. God will not receive it unto heaven. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, what do you call it? It's strange fire. It's not even what God desired. Songs, 
hymns, spiritual songs. Yep. How do we worship the Lord? In spirit and in truth. So it has to be righteous and of the spirit. But see, the devil will try and convince people, as long as you mention Jesus, you can present whatever you want. Now, a psalm is kind of like a poem, you know, or whatever to the Lord. You can do that. But it's in what spirit? But when you got the rap beats and all this stuff going on, man, that's hip-hop. That is not of Christ. But yet people are promoting it. And then you wonder why there's so much rebellion in the church. You know what you do? When you invent your own things and you bring them to God, now they'll say, I was inspired to do this. But my question is, is this, if he didn't ask you for it, why are you offering it? Mm -hmm. That's you not wanting to change and you want the kingdom of God to conform to you so that you can do your dastardly deeds. Oh, I, I can be a hip hop artist, but I'm just bringing Jesus with me. There's no such thing. You have to leave all that stuff at the door. If any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Right. You cannot live your old life, the, the, the things that the old man enjoys, and try and incorporate it with what God's kingdom is about. So, you know, you got a lot of false priests here, and he said they're going to get theirs. Look at verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. So when you are an idolater, and this is what, what the Lord was trying to say in um, Exodus chapter 20, when he spoke about idolatry, that sin, have no other gods before me, put nothing before me. He said, because he will visit the iniquity of the third and fourth generation for them that hate him. When you are an idolater, that's a serious sin because you're putting the protection of your children under another God. So, you know, you wonder why the, the devil has a legal right to go from generation to generation destroying, and it's because you've opened that door to let something in. But I think in most cases, verse 6 is what it's really all about. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I think for most hip-hop artists, I think for most you know, thugs out there, it might have been the only life that they had known. Many of them have come to it from rejection, you know, being in fear. You know, there's a lot of things. Covetousness, wanting to drive the best car, laziness, not wanting to work for the things that you want. But all of these things turn to, you know, of living the fast life and not living the ways of God. But I think that it's, it's mostly through ignorance because by the time you figure out what a gang is really about, you're already in. You've probably got like two or three bodies already to your name, you know, and it becomes a lifestyle for you. But what God wants to do is come and change your life and let you know you don't have to live like that. I mean, a thug spirit is like, you know, it really is like a beast. You know, I mean, the way that you live, sexual perversion, tattoos, and they glory in it. I mean, pants hanging. You should see some of these guys walking down the street, don't even shower. They don't even shower. Got naps in their head, no comb, no nothing, but they're just walking around. And if you even notice, there's like this little lean that they do, but they really think they're cool. And it's like, you look so stupid. Like, Lord, forgive me for saying this, but they are glorying in their shame. They are looking the worst that they can possibly look, and they're calling this a fashion trend, like they've really got something. What woman would even want to go to dinner with somebody like that? But you find, like, beautiful women, career women, 
walking around with a pant, with a gun, no belt, holding his pants up, tatted from head to toe, don't know his ABCs, but this is our man. This is how low we've sank in society that we believe that these are responsible men. And I would rather be single if I were a woman than to have that. As for a man, you know, you find that same concept. Usually the women are lesbians. How do they identify themselves as men? They hang their pants and they dress just like thugs. Man, the devil is, he's really, you know, laughing at us. Mm -hmm. He is really laughing at us as a people. Let's go to Proverbs uh, 8 and let's start at verse 32. And get Deuteronomy 19 too, if you can. Is also um, in the military. Mm-hmm. I saw that when I was in. Yeah. One thing I had like done research on a while back was um, like gangs. If they want to know uh, like military strategies and how to really shoot weapons and stuff like that, mm-hmm. what they'll do is they'll have certain uh, when kids come into their gangs or like they're born into them. Mm-hmm. They will make sure that they don't get records. Like they go to school and they're, you know, they, they do their work and whatever just so they can join the military. Spend four, five, six years, whatever, in there learning everything that they can learn. And then they mm-hmm. get out and they go back to their games. Mm-hmm. Most of them, some of them, I guess they don't, but some of them will go back to their games and tell them everything. No, they you do find that in the military. And it ain't just, you know, thugs like, you know, that are in rap and hip hop. Mm-hmm. You got thugs that are bikers, you know, that, that believe they walk around just like that too. You know, raggedy, sharing women. You could be married and your wife can sleep with this one and that one and that one. And that's all about taking care of your boys. I mean, that spirit is just there. It's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And even in the military, you're right. They walk around, hoorah, I'm a, I'm a Marine, I'm this and that. But it's all a part of that tribal mentality. And sometimes they can fall so strong with that that they don't even care about God. So this is um, Proverbs 8, and we'll start at verse 32, and it says, Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All that they all they that hate me love death. And this is a big part of how a lot of people might be, because they do love death. When it's in their music, it's in their movies, and I mean they're just pumping this stuff out and it's just seen as being cool. I was telling Sarah before you walked in how, you know, growing up, you know, the first time I'd ever seen a fight and you got people standing around cheering like it's like it's a big deal. And I mean, laughing, like having a good time to see someone get beat up. I mean, it's just it just really teaches you something. And then there came a point that I became very desensitized to it and I began to engage that way. So you see, this spirit doesn't just wait on, you know, people to choose it. It can choose you. And that's why when people that tell you, um, well, don't take religion too far. Stop talking about, you know, Jesus. It's okay if my son listens to this or listens to that. That's not okay. Because as you can see, the devil is taking these kids captive, I mean, really early in life. 
I mean, look at the stuff that's playing. How can you as a parent not want your kid to engage in Jesus or learning about the Bible, but you're okay with them watching filthy rap movies and, 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 and videos, things that you like? So you see that thug mentality can even be in the parents. Yeah. robbing places or people or beating kids up because they don't, they're not connecting the dots. And if you try and tell them that, then they think that you're the problem. Exactly. And people don't think that this is a spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, Tupac even said in one of his own raps, he said, um, Lord, forgive me, um, but I got a thug spirit in me or something like that in one of his rap songs. I don't remember which one it was, but I actually have that up as a slide, too. So even Tupac, you know, what was his whole thing that he promoted? Thug life. Even after he had, you know, he made his way, he said, thug life, thug life. They even said, hey, well, since you're becoming famous, do you even want to change, you know, that to something else? And he said, heck no, thug life. And that's what he was doing, showing his chest and everything on it. But then there came a point in his life where he said he was trying to escape it, but it wouldn't let him go. People were still saying, no, no, you represent us. You know, remember, you started with Thug Life, you end with Thug Life. So, That's you know, you can be proud and push yourself out there. But once the Spirit gets a hold of you, unless Jesus Christ comes to you, you know, you are really stuck in it. Now, Tupac, a lot of people try and side with him. You even got Christians trying to put him in heaven because he said a lot of things that were, you know, nice and they were, you know, to comfort people. But... Tupac didn't serve the Lord. And a lot of people don't want to believe that. One woman had a vision and put it on YouTube that Tupac is in hell with, you know, quite a few people. Quite a few artists that you would think, no, they were nice people and they, they cared for people. You got these people in hell because they did not know the one true God. So I'm going to read this. This is the history, and this is called Thuggies or Thugs. This is where it came from. This is the mid-late 1800s. And it says the thugs or thuggies were history's most notorious and deadly criminal cult. The name thug, thuggy, or tuggy is derived from a Sanskrit uh, stag and polythak. I guess that's in some place in India, polythak. But then it says um, this means to hide or conceal, mainly a secret um, concealment. Thugs were Hindu and Muslim Indians. Uh, whose thuggy cult was based on the worship of goddess Kali. Kali is the destructive and creative mother goddess in the Hindu religion. Kali is a fierce aspect of Devi, uh, the supreme goddess, who um, is fundamental to all Hindu deities. The ongoing work of creation is described by believers as the play of Kali. You know, so they're going to go a little further into Kali. We're going to get back into the thug, and then we're going to get back into the scripture. But the reason why I felt compelled to bring this up tonight is because I know this spirit is just sweeping over kids, and they don't even know what it is. They think they're being cool. I remember I used to hang my pants, too, till my dad came up to school and pulled them up right in front of everybody, you know, and embarrassed me. But this spirit is everywhere. So it says... Kali is believed to be the destroyer of evil spirits uh, and preserver of devotees. She is a close, she is close to Shiva, and her name derives from Kala, from the Sanskrit word 
uh, for dark or time. Kala also means black female as opposed to her consort Shiva, who is white. Kali is often portrayed standing in an inner form of her consort uh, Shiva, like in an opposite um, way. Uh, she is sometimes in the company of she-demons. Her eight arms hold weapons and or the severed head of a demon. These objects held by Kali symbolize both her creative and destructive power. Kali demonstrates the ambivalence of deity, which according to Hindu tradition, uh, manifests itself in the, in the unending cycle of life and death, creation and destruction. Thugs were a well-organized hereditary cult that practiced large-scale robbery and murder, justified by their belief in serving Kali. Membership induction was often passed from father to son with the women of the home being kept unaware of the men's cult activity. Now, this even talks about, because, I, I mean, we're going to get into the scripture, but this is even saying that it's hereditary. What do you find in thugs for most kids? Your grandfather was in jail. Father goes to jail. Son joins the gang, goes to jail. Grandson goes to gang, goes in the gang, goes in jail. So you see, this is a spirit that passes on and on. I've known people, just to show you how real this spirit is, that never even met their grandfather or father, but followed the same fate as they. Why? Because the spirits don't have, a familiar spirit can care less about who it's going to. All it needs to know is that it has a legal right. And that's why those things need to be canceled in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it says, uh, as a well-organized group of professional murderers and assassins, Thugs traveled throughout India in gangs of, t of 10 to 200 members, all dressed in various guises. They targeted travelers, especially wealthy uh, travelers, gaining the confidence of their soon-to-be victims when a favorable opportunity arose. Thugs struggled their victim, or strangled their victims with a handkerchief or noose around the victim's neck. Once the victim was dead, the thugs um, then plundered his belongings and buried the body. The acts of displaying false friendship, murder, and the burial of the victim were performed according to an ancient, rigidly prescribed process. These barbaric acts were all part of their elaborate religious rites performed to honor Kali. The uh, consecration of the um, pickaxe and the sacrifice of sugar were also very important parts of this religious of their religious rites. A portion of spoils of their robbery were often set aside for Kali. So, you know, when you even think about thugs themselves having their handkerchiefs, they don't even know what they're carrying them for. They think that they're representing a gang, but all they're doing is looking like the thuggy cult. This is interesting stuff. Let's just go further into it, but let's go to Deuteronomy 19, and we're going to begin at verse 1. Tore this Bible apart. And real quick, I wanted to make one more point. Yeah. Since we were talking about the military, is when you get in, you're initiated in. Like when you go through basic training and all that. Mm -hmm. And then, once they've got you, you know, pretty much brainwashed from that day, when you go to your first, like, duty station and everything, mm -hmm. you actually have freedom. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't curse like they do, you're looked at funny. If you mm -hmm. don't drink like they do, you don't get tattoos, 
Um, for men, it's like if you don't sit there and degrade the women, you're looked at as funny. So it really is, mm -hmm. all of that mentality is really in there. And for the women, it's like if you don't, uh, to some degree, start selling yourselves, you're looked at as, looked at as funny. I mean, it's just amazing how people can just spill innocent blood. And that's why I think in some ways, even for those who won't preach the gospel, man, you know, that's being a murderer. In some ways, you're still a murderer because you've got that desensitivity to, I mean, well, you're that desensitized that you're going to go and live your life and watch people in need that need Jesus. Mm -hmm. This spirit goes a long way. That is a spirit of murder. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is Deuteronomy 19 and verse 1, and it says... When the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their cities and in their houses, thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Thou shalt prepare thee a way and divide the coast of thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit into three parts. That every, that every slayer may flee thither. And this is the case of the slayer, which shall flee thither, and he may live. Whoso killeth his neighbor ignorantly, whom he hated not in the past. And, and when a man goeth into the wood uh, with his neighbor, he hew wood, and his um, hand uh, fetcheth a stroke, with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the health and, and lighteth upon uh, his neighbor that he die, he shall flee unto one of those cities and live. Lest the avenger of the blood pursue the slayer uh, while his heart is hot, and overtake him because the way is long, and slay him whereas he was not worthy of death, insomuch as he hated uh, him not in time past. I'm going to make the point. Wherefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt separate three cities for thee, and if the Lord thy God enlarge thy coast, enlarge thy coast, and he hath sworn unto thy fathers, and give thee all the land which he promised to give unto thy fathers, if thou shalt keep all these commandments and do them, which I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God and to walk ever in his ways, then shalt thou add three cities more for thee beside these three. So in other words, this is God talking about that if you are to live righteous, that remember when um, Israel finally got into the land, what the Lord was saying is he was going to give them an inheritance that, I mean, spread it from Egypt all the way onto like Iraq like this whole area. It was huge. The Israel you see today is nothing compared to what God gave them. But God is saying if they were to live righteous, then add more cities. Now, why would you add more cities if a, if a um, society is corrupt? So this is a part of the abundance of God that it may grow and be fruitful and multiply. But if it wasn't righteous by him, then he wouldn't do, you know, he wouldn't uh, support it. Mm -hmm. So then it says in verse 10, that innocent blood may not shed thy land which the Lord, the, wait, did I read, was it 9 or 10? I think I'm at 10. So he says that innocent blood be not shed in thy land. Huh? You are. Oh, okay. Okay. So that innocent blood be not shed in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, and so blood be upon thee. 
But if any man hate his neighbor and lie and wait for him and rise up against him and smite him mortally that he die and flee into one of these cities, then the elders of this city shall send and fetch him thence and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Now, of course, we don't live this way today, but here's the point that he's making. In a prosperous land, if someone's out there lying in wait, using, doing criminal activity, that God is not in favor of that. But what you find people today is supporting their family for the things that they do. I've seen many people that had children in gangs that were very proud of how their children were living, very proud that they were part of the Bloods or the Crips, even the Mafia to some degree. You know how they, well, yeah, because you know I'm Italian. And I go way back, and yeah, my great-grandfather great was a mafiosi. I mean, in New York, you heard this all the time. But, like, you got to seriously ask yourself. She probably heard it, too. <laughs> but here's the thing. Is that something to be proud of? I mean, think about it. It's a criminal society that killed tens of thousands, maybe 100,000 people, but you're proud to be affiliated with it. So this is something that we got to really look at concerning us, how we can favor those things that are so unrighteous and call them family. It's just like if I had a son that was a rapper and I knew what they were into, man, I'm not proud of that. I'm trying to talk you out of that lifestyle because I know what it is. But you got a lot of self-proclaiming Christians in church that call themselves good and righteous people or in favor of the filth that they or their family members are partaking in. Mm -hmm. And God is saying to have nothing to do with it. He said to have the elders of the city shall send and fetch him thence and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. So God believed an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But this is old Levitical law. We don't live this way now. But we should not be in favor of the things that are destroying people because God never was. Amen. This is verse... Um, Verse 13, thine eye shall not pity him, but thou shalt put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with thee. So God is saying to have no fellowship with any of that stuff that goes on. But you see, today, people are really in favor of it, even promoting it. And, you know, I have to admit, when I was in the world, I was kind of like this, too. But if you want to know what things can actually hold back your kids from succeeding hold back things from happening. The Lord is saying, have no pity. Now you understand why Jesus said anyone that cannot forsake his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, or even his own life cannot be my disciple. You got to be hardcore in this in some ways. You need still pour down your spine. You're either on God's side or you are on Satan's side. But there is no, well, he's my nephew. I understand. And hey, if you stand with him, you're against God. If you stand with God, You'll be against that. And I would encourage parents out there, if you got kids that are in the rap and all that stuff, if you really are one of those parents that are of the Lord, pack that mess up and throw it out. Throw it on the street. Throw it in the trash can. Keep that stuff from getting into your home because the thug spirit is a spirit. Amen. If anyone wants to add anything, they can. If not, let's go to Proverbs uh, 6. We'll start at verse 16. Jesus made clear, man, I don't care who your relatives are. If they stand against me and you support them and they don't want to come unto me, 
that you are not even supposed to be fellowshipping with them like that. There's nothing wrong with being kind to all men and wanting people to come in, but a lot of people, man, are siding with the enemy. Well, one question to ask is, is that if this music was really okay and acceptable, you know, like you said, pastors are trying to bring it in today, then why does it bring forth such aggression? Why does it bring forth such, it warps the mind of young people, and they want to be like these people. That's they want to be life imitates art. They want to be, you know, uh, Tupac, or they want to be uh, what's that, you know, backstory? Biggie and all of them. Biggie's yeah. Biggie's mom is in a deception. Mm -hmm. You know, she she grew up a Jehovah Witness and she raised him in that, but he got into that. But I remember one time she was on MTV and they were interviewing her. And she was pretty much saying everything backwards to what Biggie was saying. Like, Biggie was saying pretty much, you know, hey, to my crack brothers out there that are doing whatever, hey, here's the Ten Crack Commandments. Here's how you make money and live. His mother said, no, because my son was trying to tell people to look out for the dangers that are out there. And I'm like, I don't know what, what you know, what videos you listen to of him or what audios, but that was not what he was about. He indulged in that life. He was into drug peddling and everything else, and he glorified in that lifestyle. But his mom is trying to tell people today, oh, no, he was tell he was warning people to look out for that. Ma'am, you're in a delusion. You know what she fell in love with? Her son's success. That's what it was about. Because, yeah, according to him, she threw him out of the house when she was a Jehovah Witness, but he started making a little dough, and he pulled him out of the hood, and you see? Now it's, oh, he was a good man. I'm telling you, man, we got to be separate from the world and really be of the spirit of God. Amen. This is um, Proverbs 6 and verse 16. Did you finish making your point? Because I just cut you right off. No, it was pretty much that, <laughs> you know, the generation cycles itself and, and people want to be like this. And Satan knows it. Satan knows mm -hmm. that these are the times when he can get away with that mm -hmm. explicitly. And it's no more a segregation anymore. There's no more separation between uh, the line has become very gray between what's right and what's wrong. And that's, that's how right. you know yep. we're living in the last days because it's like you bring these points up and people look at you like you're half crazy. That's why it talks about, you know, that thing, the secret um, generation that destroyed hip-hop, mm -hmm. the secret meeting that destroyed hip-hop and changed the generation. They knew what they were doing, but, you know, it was so funny. And this isn't coming from a racist standpoint. I think there were some racist people involved but you see, the devil had another plan. They wanted, because at that time, it was probably 99.9% .9 of rap was in the black communities. Black and, you know, Hispanics were into it too, but it was mostly black. Now, they pushed that in there because they even said to the guy, we want more black people in prison. That way we can fund these federal prisons. That way they can get that proper funding and they can all become rich. And they had music CEOs investing in shares of private prisons just to get more people in the prison. But the funny thing is what the devil did, because I'm sure some people went along with it for that purpose, now the devil put it on all of America's doorstep. Now you ain't just got black thugs, you got Asian thugs, you got white thugs. You know, that spirit doesn't care, it just takes whomever. And there's nothing worse than seeing some kids that you know they didn't grow up in that lifestyle but they try so hard to imitate that. I mean, that's the worst thing on earth because it's like, 
You know, like, come on, man, go get an education and do something with yourself. But you see it everywhere now. So what the devil will do is probably use someone's racism to get his agenda started. But see, the devil don't care about white, black, yellow, purple, or green. I want to kill everybody. So as you can see, it's become a problem, and it's, it's bigger than a lot of people have ever intended. All right, this is Proverbs 6, verse 16. It says, six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look. Now, you know, thugs and deavers look proud, you know, chest stuck out, a lying tongue. You know, in some ways, growing up in that lifestyle, you can't be in the business if you don't know how to lie. See, they call that street smarts, but you're really lying. You're lying, conniving, doing everything that you can just to survive. And that's why you find so many sociopaths will come out of the hood because they have they are used to living their lives that way, whatever will benefit me at that time. That's why you got so many young blacks out here and they grow up to be men that want to be players. Man, I'm a player. I don't, I don't give my devotion to no woman. You know what I'm saying? I got this one over here. I got that one over here and I'm doing this. That's how they live. And they don't feel any guilt about it whatsoever because they're, they're smooth, you know, smooth operators. But anyway, and hands that shed innocent blood. So as you can see, many cases when I was coming up, I mean, bullets were zinging around my neighborhood all the time. When you heard a gunshot, you took off running. But it just goes to show you that mentality, they don't even care if, if innocent people get shot. This story is a little kids dying, you know, people just being shot, but they're so, you know, desperate to want to kill someone that they don't even care. God hates that. I mean, it's one thing to have malice in your heart to, to, towards someone and kill them. It's another thing to just be a murderer, you know, simply because you want to take care of yourself. A thug spirit is a self-loving spirit, even with, you know, women that are committing abortions. A lot of thugs commit abortions in this same fashion. Man, I got three kids already. I don't need a fourth. So, you know, we're going to get an abortion so I can live my life. Mm -hmm. Man, you know, killing the innocent. And like I said, hey, I know what rock I crawl from under. I'm just telling people that have done this, there is an answer and his name is Jesus. Amen. That you can come out of this lifestyle and be made whole. Because all this is foolishness. So then he says, in a heart that deviseth Wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief. So I remember, like I said, growing up, you see a fight, everybody would come running and flocking to it and promoting it, trying to get two people to fight. They could have been scared of one another. Oh, he's talking about your mama, man. Go get him. But it was just such a, a destructive environment that I grew up in. But that was that was considered the norm. Pushing people onto violence. Can't wait to see two people get it on. Mm -hmm. God hates this. This is like animalistic. So then he says, um, you know, deviseth imagine of wicked imaginations. A lot of these guys, you know, they want to be drug lords and thugs. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. That's a big part of, you know, a thug mentality because... Um, you know, in order to be like that biggest, baddest guy, you've got to get two people fighting. Most people become gang leaders not because they're the smartest or the strongest, 
they connive their way up to the top. You find this even in business, even in, you know, work atmospheres. You'll find people trying to slander other people, brown those their way up just to get their top position. And then they want to fire people that are under them that might be a threat. Yeah. This is all a part of that thug mentality. So these are the things that the Lord is talking about that he hates. And this is very much what the world is into. Let's go to Philippians 3. Oh, actually, Romans 12. Romans 12, sorry. <laughs> but man, these kids, it's like such a sad story. And it's only getting younger and younger as well. Mm -hmm. We're going to start at verse 1, Romans 12. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So I'm speaking to the thug out there, too. You know, God wants this from you. You can turn your life around. It doesn't matter how many people you killed. It doesn't matter if you're doing 25 to life. The bottom line is you've got a choice to accept Jesus Christ and be born again and be brought into the kingdom. God wants you to present your body, and that's why he's given us mercy. You know, he's given us this grace period that no matter what we've done, it's not too late that the Lord can change your life. And he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And so, you know, even if you are in prison, even if you do have a mom that's cracked out and not serving the Lord, even if you are in impossible situations, you can give your life to Jesus. You can call on him and ask him, to, to take you and to make you over that you might be right, that God might use you. Paul always said that I am a, the, you know, a chief sinner. He said, for all the things that I have done, I persecuted the church of God. Paul had Christians killed and the Lord still used him because he changed his life. Mm -hmm. The Lord had to come and see him, but you know, whatever works. So then it says, and be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what do we have to understand? That it all begins in the changing of your mind. I know you guys have grown up in lots of ignorance, lots of foolishness. You only knew one way to live. No one's faulting you for that. But what we're saying now is that your mind has to be transformed by the word of God, by getting to know Jesus Christ. That if you turn from your ways, he can save you no matter where you are. You know what I mean? When we understand what that perfect will of God is, it's because our minds are being renewed. So he says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So, you know, like I said, you got to get out of all that garbage, all that mindset about being the baddest boy in the planet. All the baddest guys in the world, they're either dead or in jail. Mm -hmm. I remember somebody telling me that when I was young. My dad used to tell me that, that, you know, if you want to be the baddest man, that's a short path. There's an expiration date on that because you'll never be the baddest guy. In order to be bad, you got to kill. And then you may have to kill some more. 
So, you know, it's just none of those things even matter in God's economy. His only purpose is, can he use you to reach others? Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So, you know, this is, you know, again, this is about the church and everything like that. He's speaking to the Romans. But tonight I'm speaking to the thugs because I want them to understand that you can be a member of this gang, which is the body of Christ. I hate to call it a gang, but, you know, God can use you. He can put you in his army. You can find Jesus and turn and go back to kids that are in this mess and change their lives. Who better to hear from than the person that used to do it? So, you know, you have a purpose in this. Don't give up on yourself. You know, let's clean up our lives and do what God wants. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on, or, on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So God can give you a nature that you can change, that you can hate things that are not of him, things that are not of Jesus. And see, that's another thing about, you know, a lot of mafiosi and thugs. They do love with dissimulation. They can hug their wife and kids, you know, um, get them into school, you know, and everything, pay for their college through drug money or whatever they're into, love their families and go and kill why well, is nothing, and then come home and hug their family and call themselves good men. Then many of these guys will even pledge, even when they've been questioned by police about murder. You know, hey, we know that you did all these murders, these murders, Johnny, and you know we found all the bodies. You know what they would say? Well, I never killed a civilian, only somebody that was also a part of the mob, and really justifying it in their minds that they were doing their civic duty. Because that garbage has been programmed in their minds. Don't rat. Don't do this. Don't snitch. Be a good man in the gang. But these men don't even see it as murder. They see it as in, I'm just doing a good righteous work because of all that garbage that they pledge to, yep. which is Satan's um, you know, pledge. So the Lord said, don't be in dissimulation. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be halfway in and halfway out. Be made righteous that you have love for everyone, not just those who are yours. He said in verse 15, Be kindly, affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. So this isn't going to be like the guy who put his arm around you and told you we're your family. But then a, a week later, he puts a gun in your hand and says, if you want to be one of us, well, this is what you need to do. He's talking about loving somebody righteously, actually having someone care for you, not telling you don't rat so I won't do any time. That's not love, guys. Love is really caring for your brethren, him making it. That's why we got a teaching coming up. Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. Because what happens to your brother happens to you. Mm -hmm. And that's what the enemy doesn't want you to know, that the guy that you're calling your enemy is your brother. He is someone that God wants you to care for and preach the gospel to. 
All right, let me make the point. So then he says, uh, brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. That's another thing that, you know, I hate to keep going there, but these guys get into. A lot of these guys have chosen this life because they don't want to be patient towards God. They don't want to wait for the Lord to show them the way out. They'll seek the way that seems the most convenient for them at the time. Oh, yeah. But the Lord is saying, be patient in tribulation. He knows you're going through it. He knows your heart. He knows what you suffered. Give it to him and he's going to do what needs to be done. So he said, continue an instant in prayer. And that's you, old thug. Turn, put down that gun, pick up a Bible, get on your knees and pray to the Lord, and he will reveal himself to you, distributing to the to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which, which persecute you. Bless and curse not. So that's something that they got to recognize. And you know, the Lord has even got to remind me constantly of this blessing, not cursing. But the thing is, is, this is how separate God is from the world. When he says, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, this is the mentality of God. Man, when someone curses you, bless them. That's the heart of God. That's true love. And you know what? It takes more of a man, okay, or more courage to live that way than it does to exact revenge on your enemy. 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Now, this is important because a lot of people out there that are in this life really think that they are brilliant. They really do think that the street knowledge that they've learned is, is applicable to anything in life. And they don't think that they need any other knowledge aside from that. So God is saying, don't be wise in your own conceits because, dude, you can be taken out. Yeah. When you think you know everything, you don't know much. You don't really know anything, honestly, until you know Jesus. Right. I mean, I thought I knew a lot of things, but as I've given my life to the Lord, I'm finding that he's taking little pieces out here and there, showing me the things that I thought were so good or so evil. You know, that's God. All right, where am I? Uh, verse 17 recompense to no man evil for evil provide things honest in the sight of all men so that's what he's saying man don't recompense evil for evil they do evil to you like we like we read earlier with david give it unto the lord and let the lord fight your battles if it be possible as much as lieth in you live peaceably with all men now i know what i'm going to hear from this i know i'm going to get messages People are going to tell me, how can I live that way when somebody's looking for me, when these things are going on? Give your life to Jesus, because that's always what they come to me and tell me, even when I'm out there. Oh, so if somebody come up with a gun, what are you going to do? Pray for them and do this and that? Yeah. But you know what? If you grow in Christ, exactly. If you grow in Christ, the Lord will make things happen. You know, you yeah. won't even be caring about this life. You'll be focused on eternal life. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, 
saith the Lord. So notice, I just picked this up myself. He says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. What does he mean? Think about this. Like if someone were to come up against you instead of getting mad at them, you endure it mm -hmm. because in that enduring or even in that forgiveness of somebody, they will come to know the Lord. And if they don't, the Lord will repay that vengeance. Exactly. When we totally give it over to Jesus, he will move. He will make things happen. Mm -hmm. But when you want to defend yourself, then God is slow to that because you're still giving over to the flesh. But if you, you know, hold back and you, you were patient and you just pray for that person, now what could have come your way if you would have responded to what that person has done will now come to them. But that's what I'm telling you. When you exact your own revenge, now you've got to look over your shoulder. Yeah. You've done a dirty deed. Now who's going to come looking for you? That's something to think about. Exactly. My dad always said how you get something is how you lose it. And that is true. If you connived your way even into a relationship with somebody, believe me, the same way you took it, it's going to be taken from you. That, that's just recompense. Mm -hmm. so God says he will repay it. Let us not fight for ourselves. Let us give it unto him. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Didn't David pray for that? Remember when David was saying that if the Lord, you know, Lord, heap coals of fire upon their head, that they might change, mm -hmm. that they may be different. God's judgment will be righteous. Because see, if somebody kills someone I know close to me, and I grab a gun and I go out and I shoot him. Now, you know, okay, now I've got to pay for something. You see what I'm saying? Now revenge is exacted on me. But if I give it to Christ, God will deal with it because perhaps the one who murdered someone you knew might get saved and go out and win more souls. Exactly. So you see God's plan, the way he exacts revenge, it is always in a way that he could be glorified. But if we take matters in our own hands, the work of God doesn't get done. Yep. Now you're on the list for judgment when you could have just given it to Christ and he would have done what was necessary. Verse 21, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I mean, like I said, <laughs> the Lord is working out a lot of stuff with me that I'm, you know, he's got me on this path, but I'm recognizing it takes more guts to walk this way than it does the other way. When Henry Groover told that story of going up, remember, he said there was um, two gangs, I think it was a Latin gang. Yeah. And then there was a black gang. I think he said like Bloods and Crips. And he went up to the house. I think you were there for that one. You were there. But he went up to the house. And um, he went to go and talk to them. And people were telling Henry, no, don't go up there, man. They'll shoot you or whatever. So Henry went up there. And, you know, the guys were first acting nasty to him. But the Lord spoke through Henry and said, hey, you know, your mother, your grandmothers, and all these people have prayed for you that you get out of this filthy gang and this and that. And he said they kind of felt convicted. So they were like, yeah, all right, man, whatever. You know, they were walking they away. Were saying, she was like, did our moms talk to him or did our moms talk to you? Because they felt like uh -huh. this because that's uh -huh. what they had actually been saying. To them. Exactly. That was that conviction that only God can give. And what did they do? They tried to get Henry Groover to go and sea walk with them and do other stuff. You know, like they, you know, he talked to them about the Lord. And Henry was up there doing it, you know, shaking his leg, talking about, I'm going to dance when I get to heaven. But you see, that's the love of God. 
And that's one thing, that's one of the amazing things about Jesus. And I want to tell these thugs, you can have a real hero in Christ. Think about someone who conquered the world through love mm -hmm. and never had to lift a finger to exact revenge on his enemies. Mm -hmm. That's what you call God. Mm -hmm. That's what you call a real hero. He conquered the world and never having to lift a finger to do anything violent, anything in the flesh. That's a hero. Man, you know, and when he went to the grave, I want these guys to know this too about Jesus. When he went to the grave and when he was on that cross, he didn't rat. He held his medal. He held what he needed that people might get saved. That's a real thug. I mean, I don't mean, Lord, I'm not calling you a thug, but I'm saying that's a real man. That's a real man. Now, you guys don't like people that rat, right? Well, guess what? He didn't rat. What he did was he took everything to the cross. He could have turned you over and said, you know what? That's your problem. And I've got, you know, well, I'm just here for me. I'm not here for man. But he died for all. He's a true hero in all of history. You were going to say something, right? Or was it, okay. Yeah, I just want to say something, too, about, you know, gang members and, and people killing each other and like you were saying if someone were to kill your family member and you were able to forgive that person well what what even better than that than to go visit the, pers the person in jail and talk mm -hmm. to them about Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and that they may get saved because one thing that these people are so used to is people giving up on them yep. they're, they're not used to they say well the gang is my family but you go outside of the gang they're going to kill you or mm -hmm. they're yeah. You know, but so they're so used to that, all that leaving and people giving up on them that if if they see that the person that should be the most angriest at me is not, yeah, they're trying to give me Jesus Christ, that very well is going to change their life. Exactly. Um, I wanted to go to, let's go to Proverbs 16 real quick and get John 8. I'm telling you, I look back on, you know, looking at a lot of thugs today, and I can't believe I used to dress that way. I can't believe I used to walk around with a rag on my head and my pants hanging. But I knew not to wear that stuff at home, so I took it off before I got there, you know, and then wait for them to go to work and then leave for school, pull the stuff out of my bag. I would have, you know, my, my um, rag on my head. I ain't saying what color or anything like that, but I would have my rag. You know, I had my hat on back with pants hanging, you know, and, and, you know, at that time, a little knife or something, a little box cutter. I thought I was somebody. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just amazing how I can't believe that that's the foolishness that I was into. I mean, back then we were listening to Ice Cube and Death Certificate and Kill at Will, NWA and all that stuff. That was my mentality. And I look back on it now like, man, you were a fool, Derek the way that you would think it. Man, what girl's going to date your stinky self? You know, walking around. I mean, I can't say I have a stink, but there's something about that mentality that glories in that. You know what yeah. I mean? Haven't you seen like when they walk and they, you know, they got one leg stretched out and they, you know, there's just something about it that's so grungy, you know, so disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Let me just go there real quick. Oh, exactly. 
Oh yeah, good point. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing. This is Proverbs 16, and let's go to verse 28. <laughs> she said, "You might have stink." You know that God could smell it. No, she's absolutely right. All right. So he says, this is verse 20. Oh, let's start at 26. It says, he that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. A froward like a perverse man soweth strife, and a whisperer separated chief friends. So you see, a whisperer is also a part of this spirit, you know, and being forward. They like to see fights. They like to see people get it on. Those are the works of the flesh. And, and, and um, Galatians 5, verse 29, a violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. So I want people to even know if you got somebody out there trying to get you to join or even if you did join, understand what the Bible is saying concerning this, that those people that lead you into mischief, or those, those are people that are evil. Those are not good things to try and convince somebody to do something wrong. I remember a friend of mine telling me, and this is how corrupt that we can actually be. A friend of mine back in New York told me that for her sister's 16th birthday, she went and got her smoked up, got her high. Because she felt like that was how you celebrate. Look, look at what, this, this is what I'm trying to say about that mentality. That that was okay because that's what we know. What was so cool about watching your sister in a different frame of mind coughing it out and you like, yeah, don't worry. You're going to feel it sooner or later. It's going to hit you. You're going to get high. But look at the foolishness that's in there. Sarah's got a funny look on her face right now. Like, you can't believe it. But look at how many people that we turned on to doing that. I never smoked, but I, I had people do other things. But look at how you could just lead somebody into doing something like that. Sarah don't like that story very much. You should see her face. Yeah, but it's just so... It's like a guilty pleasure that you have and you want to suck other people into enjoying it with you. Mm-hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. like come and get smoked up it's your 21st birthday but that's a thug mentality man yeah. it's like one that doesn't care about anything you just want to look good in your shame exactly well, let's go to 2 Samuel 22 while we're here and then well I said get John 8 too right yeah. we'll go there next John 8 um, 2 Second. Samuel 22 okay. Man, there's just so much ignorance. Like when we did that teaching on the nature of the beats, remember the guy was saying, the psychologist was saying how, you know, people will pump that music um, while they're in their cars and you got your newborn baby in the backseat. I mean, or, you know, a baby in the backseat absorbing all of that. Don't think that it won't have any effect on him. The guy was saying it actually will, that the kid will start to crave certain things and then, you know, when you got music playing at 440 hertz for a child, man, that scrambles your your um your cells, man, your nerves. Mm -hmm. And then you wonder why kids come out having so many problems. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Let me hurry up and get there. All right. Second Samuel 22. Second Samuel 22. We'll start at verse one. 
And it says, And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. Now I want you guys to listen real clear to this about a man whose heart is after the Lord. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. So it's not a gang. It's not David's mighty men he's talking about here. He mentions the Lord. Then he says, The God of my rock in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. So some people may ask, can God actually do this for you? Absolutely, and a whole lot more. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. Now, some people may say, well, what does that got to do with me? If you're a thug and you're living that lifestyle and you feel like your life's being threatened and all these things are going on, if the Lord heard David, he will hear your cry as well. He says, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. So the same God that's here delivering David will deliver you. And remember, David did some pretty bad stuff. Exactly. You know, uh -huh. That was before um, you know Jesus came back and we had the Holy Spirit and you know saved by the cross. Uh -huh. So absolutely, his mercy and just saving power. And David was no wimp, guys. Too, I want y'all to know that David was no coward. He slew a lion and a bear, and I think earlier before this, he took on a um, Goliath in First Samuel seventeen. Mm -hmm. You know, so if he took on a giant and he did all this stuff, don't think that he was some wimp trying to call for the Lord. But see, even somebody that was as tough and as strong as David still needed the Lord to save his life. He he didn't have enough in himself. Yeah, sorry. You want to say something? Oh, you're in deep thought. So it says in verse 8, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of the nostrils, the fire out of his mouth, devoured coals were kindled by it. He bowed, the he, he bowed the heavens, or bowed the heavens also, and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. And he made darkness pavilions round about him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. Man, David got a vision of this. This is what I wish I would say. You know, the Lord in all his glory and his power. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and discomfited them. And the channels of the sea appeared of uh, the foundations of the world were discovered at the rebuking of the Lord, at the blast of his breath of his nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he delivered me from the strong enemy, 
and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. So as you can see, a lot of people join gangs because their enemies are too strong for them. A lot of people want to be thugs because they don't want to be victimized. So even if a lot of people today are even not tough, they like the appearance of looking tough, thinking that it's going to work for you. Man, all you need is Jesus, and he's, he's got your front, he's got your back, and I promise you, he would never leave you or forsake you. He is a true present help in your time of need. Amen. Where am I? Oh, verse 19. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. Right. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. So like the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? God's leadership and God's power go beyond this physical carnal realm. And you know, some thugs will probably hear this and they'll know what I'm saying is true. How when you were doing 25 to life, somehow in that courtroom, it was ruled in your favor and you were set free. That wasn't because of your lawyer. That was because God was giving you a chance to get to know him. Amen. A lot of people, while you were standing there on that corner blasting music, doing what you were doing, and your enemy fired bullets at you and they missed and somehow hit your body, that was because the Lord wanted you to be saved. Amen. This is the grace of God. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also upright before him and have kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore the Lord have recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyesight. With the merciful... Thou wilt shew thyself merciful, and with the upright man, thou wilt shew thyself upright. So when you have mercy on others, God will have mercy on you. If you are upright to others, God will be upright to you. I'm not saying he's not a God of forgiveness. He is. But our God is a fair God. Our God is a reciprocal God. You can't go on doing evil, killing people, like I told D'Angelo the other night. You can't go out here living like that and then expect the Lord to not come to you and deal with you. You know, so that that's why the Lord actually probably had me come to him and hope that he changed his life. You know, when I was on my way to work Saturday night, he came across the street. It's like he always sees me, came across the street and we were walking and talking. And he said, you know what? He said, where you headed? I said, I'm going to work. He said, you know what, brother? He said, man, I've been in the word lately and the Lord's been showing me this and that and all that. And he was ministering to me like we were talking. And I said, I can tell when I met you, you always had somewhat of a respect for the Lord's work. Because when I, you know, asked you for prayer, even though you were living like you were living, you were still seeking the Lord. I mean, you were still not refusing prayer, even though you had a stronghold on you. And he was like, yeah, man, my dad was a pastor. You know, he said, I got into, you know, gangs and did all this stuff. He said, but no, I'm recognizing my need for him. And he said, you know, though I'm still struggling with things, I'm hoping that the Lord, you know, I'm praying every day that he delivers me from it. Amen. And I said, man, you ain't alone. You think we got this thing figured out? You know, the Lord is working with us also, taking things out of our lives. But, man, it's just such a joy to see the Lord come into someone's life. And all I did was pray for this guy. 
All I did was ask him for prayer, but the Lord took it from there because he was open to it. Yeah. All you did was you were obedient unto the Lord. That's true, because the Lord told me to. Yeah. I remember I told Sarah, I was like, yeah, that's the guy the Lord wants me to pray for. And I've seen this guy for months. So I was just like, man, shit on, because he was over there looking like, you know, like he was up to no good. And I'm just like, Lord, I know. Remember, I told you, I was like, I'm going to go over there. It's probably going to be an argument, but whatever. So when I went over to him and I said, hey, man, do you need prayer? I mean, this guy was a pimp, gangbanger, everything, you know. And um, and I said, hey, do you need prayer? And he was like, no, first I said, how you doing? He was like, good or whatever. And then I said, hey, do you need prayer? And he was like, yeah, I always need the prayer, man. He was looking over his shoulders because he didn't want to be seen praying. Yeah. But he, something in him said, I need this. Mm -hmm. So then it came to the point of me coming to him and asking him, to pray with me to the point where he was seeking us for prayer. Hey, brother, I need prayer. He said, and remember one day I was like, hey, I don't you know, have any money to give you today. He said, I ain't come over here for the money, man. I came over for the prayer. Yeah, remember, you remember? Yeah. You know, he was like, hey, I need the prayer. So it's just, exactly. So, you know, it's just amazing how the Lord can take someone that has lived a life like that and, and now he's seeking the Lord for real. Now, the next step is to get his butt in here, you know, so he can hear the word steadily and be amongst brethren that'll pray for him, you know? Yeah, I have. And he knows where I am, but, you know, it's like little by little, you know, people are fighting. But because he is receptive, I know it's only a matter of time before the Lord is going to bring him in. And if he's not here, he'll be someplace else that he might need and learn more. So, you know, praise the Lord that he does these things, you know? And, and you know, because he was doing that, he said his living situation has gotten better. You know, he's working now. And I think he's treating his wife better, hopefully. But the, but the fact of the matter is, that's awesome. You know that, see, when you do what God says, look at verse 21 again. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. Man, what an awesome God. And, we, and I've seen it in real time, what God can yeah. do in my life and in others. Yes. Okay, I'm just going to go through a little of this and I'm going to close with two other scriptures. But he says, uh, for all his judgments were before me. Uh, did I read that? Yeah, I read that part. Uh, I meant verse 26. With the, with the merciful, thou will shew thyself merciful. And with the upright, uh, man, thou will shew thyself upright. With the pure, uh, thou will shew thyself pure. And with the froward, meaning perverse, Thou will shew thyself unsavory, and the afflicted people thou will save, but thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, by my God have I um, leaped over the wall. I don't have time to read all of this, but we get the point. Look, I'm going to stop at 31. And he says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is a rock? Save our God. God is my strength and power. And he maketh my way perfect. So even you out there that's out there living like you're living and doing what you're doing. God can make you perfect. 
The reason why there's so much bloodthirstiness and hatred in this world is because they're serving that thuggy cult goddess, Kali. Mm -hmm. She wants to see blood. She doesn't like a truth. She'll tell you people are doing things to you that you're not doing. This whole thing is demonic. And see, a lot of people are led to believe these are your thoughts. These are not your thoughts. This is the devil painting lies in your mind because he can't gain power unless blood is shed. Right. That's what it's about. John 8 and uh, get First uh, John 3 and then I'm going to end it in Revelation 21 real quick. John 8. Let's start there first. So man, my heart goes out to you guys. Don't think I'm looking down on you because I've lived an unsavory life too. But I'm just telling you who can make it right. Amen. You know, waking up, seeing people of visions that you killed and having nightmares, that's no way to live. You know, looking for your time to count down to where you're paid back, that's no way to live. Mm -hmm. Give it to the Lord and he'll put a peace around you that you'll be whole. So he says, I'll start at... Uh, Let's see. Uh, let's start at verse 36. Verse 36. 8 and 36. Yeah, uh, John 8 and verse 36. And it says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, that ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. Now, I want people to understand something about the Pharisees. Jesus was dealing with a gang here. He dealt with the religious gang called the Pharisees. And look at the thuggy cult. They were a religious gang. You know, they had a God. But he dealt with the Pharisees here. He dealt with the Sadducees. He dealt with the Herodians. Mm -hmm. There were always gangs and religious groups that were going after Jesus, guys. So he says, I know ye, I know ye are Abraham's seed. But ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God, this uh, this did not Abraham. So Abraham was known as a friend of God because he worshiped the Lord, but here's a more important point that Jesus is bringing. You're either the son of God or you are the son of Satan. So he's making it very clear to them, you guys seek to kill me and you're not hearing the words of God because you were doing the works of your father. He's making that very clear. They keep trying to point back to Abraham's lineage and seed Jesus is taking it one step further into the spirit world where he's saying, you are either of my father or you are of your father. Okay, so he said in verse 41, ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Yeah, but they're missing the whole point, which is Jesus. So you see how each time Jesus questioned them, first they were related to Abraham. Then they were children of Abraham. Now they're straight from God. So you see how the religious people are? 
They want to elevate themselves one step further. Yeah. You know, now we're of God. Pretty soon they'll be calling themselves Christ. Verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For, the, for I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinced me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So that's Jesus making it clear, you know. So as again, you know, we're always talking to the remnant concerning these teachings. If you are living the life of a thug or you feel like you've got that spirit, hey, hearken unto the words of the Lord and he'll change your life. But if you're someone that's still thinking, man, this guy is crazy, don't listen to him, blah, 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 whatever, then forget that. You know, I mean, then you're not going to hear it because you're blind to the world. This is only for those who want Jesus, yep. you know, so give your life over to the Lord and he will make it right. All right. Should I go any further? Can I yeah. It's interesting. I went um, to church today and uh, they talked about how here means, uh, it's either Greek or Hebrew, it's connected with, um, it's directly connected to obeying. Mm -hmm. So like when you hear it, you're supposed to obey. Like when you hear it, you're supposed to have action that actually does it, not mm -hmm. just going in one out in one year and out the mm -hmm. other so like a fruit of you being um, part of Adam's seed is you doing the word of God absolutely you know, obeying. that's why the Bible talks about your conversations how they should be it ain't just speaking you know it's doing the word she's absolutely right there's a difference between listening and hearing mm -hmm. listening is like you're listening to music mm -hmm. hearing is I understand the direction and I'm willing to go further but she's right the word here in the Hebrew or in the Greek um, has a deeper meaning than what it shows in English. In English, people will look at it like, well, yeah, I heard it. But see, when you've heard it, it is like a somewhat transforming and a doing thing to it yeah. because you understand it. You know, it's not like you just heard it. You know exactly what's being said. And that's why when he said, for him that believeth in me will be like Jesus or do the righteous works. Believing is more than just, oh, yeah, I believe it. Believing is a lifestyle, you know? And that's one thing about the Hebrew and the Greek that speaks a lot louder than the English because the English, we have so many words for like not doing that it seems so powerless. But like she's saying, when you when you go into what hearing, what believing, what conversation means, he's talking about a lifestyle, you know? He's talking about a change. This is a book of transformation. Mm -hmm. Not just receiving a bunch of information. All right, I think we can go forward here. But Jesus said, you know, he made it clear that those who hear his voice are of God or those who want God. So I'm just hoping that these guys really hear what's being said here because God can change your life. First John 3 and Revelation 21, and I'm done. I promise. But man, I want these guys to get out of that lifestyle. It means you no good. 
we never went to Philippians 3, but this is what um, Philippians uh, 3 and 17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have um, us for an example. For many walk of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So you see a lot of people try and keep you from that. And then it says in verse 19, who end, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mine earthly things. For our conversation, we were just talking about that word, is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God wants us to live a completely separate life. But what is a thug life? One of destruction. Their God is definitely their belly. Whatever they're into is what they like, you know, and whose glory is in their shame. They are shameful in the way that they do things, in the way they dress, the way you speak, the way you treat women. Would you want anybody talking to your mom like that? I mean, really think about it, or your wife, or whomever. Some of them talk to their own wives like that. But the point is, is you mind earthly things. God wants to elevate you above this, that you might be of Christ. All right, where are oh, 1 John 3. And God being your belly can be um, what your appetite is. It doesn't always have to be food, but which often it is. Absolutely. But it could be your addiction for yep. weed, alcohol, whatever yep. it is, sex, whatever it is that you have an appetite and you that's right. It that means, that's exactly right. It means what your flesh tells you to do. We should have more constraint than that. You know, we should have more restraint and want to do the things that the Lord wants us to do. But see, God wants us to be not like beasts, but like men, but like the, the image of God. Be a creation that God can identify with. But you know, some people would say, Pastor Price was talking about, I listened to a teaching he did today. He was talking about like how people even mistake lust and love. Mm -hmm. You got a lot of women that hang out with these thugs that think because a guy is lusting after your body that he loves you. But he says, what's going to happen when you lose that body? He's going to go and find somebody else because he wasn't in love with you. He was in love with your body. But he said, you know, even if a woman were to get undressed in front of a great dame, he would get an erection, you know, and want to do something. So does that mean that he loves you? That's what he's saying. You see how crazy it is? It's like people don't even understand the fruit of the Spirit or what love is. I know how Pastor Price talks, but I'm just, he does make good sense concerning some things that need to be said. Yeah. But women, you need to be loved. And that, that love is going to first begin with Jesus, and then it's going to spill out into a healthy relationship because a lot of people don't know what love is. They think this thug, because he can't keep his hands off of him, that he loves him. Hey, love. He's satisfying himself. Yep. All right, so this is John 3, uh, 1 John 3, verse 1. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should that we should be called the sons of God. Wherefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear uh, what we shall be, but we but we know that when he appear, when he shall appear, uh, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So you see, we have to go through the process of sanctification. 
when you come to the Lord, you're not going to be automatically made perfect, but you're going to start the process. The Lord is going to lead you to the cross. He's going to take things from you that will make you right in him. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And we know that he was manifested to take away our sins in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So that's something we got to understand because of their sin still in our lives. This is why a lot of Christians get offended. But, you know, hear what I'm saying. It's not that you are the devil, but the things that you do are of the devil. He still controls some of those things. He still dictates in many ways how you live. So what does the sanctification process do? God slowly takes these things from you. But see, if you tell a Christian, well, what you did is of the devil, excuse me, they get mad and they're ready to fight you. What are you trying to say? I'm a sinner. God is saying here that John is saying through the Lord, we can be made perfect. He can take away all unrighteousness that we might be right. If we are not led by the spirit, then we are in sin. That's something that we got to recognize. But I don't really want to go there tonight because what I'm trying to tell the thug is you've got a chance. You've got a chance to make it in Christ. You do not have to live the way that you're living. And see, the devil will tell you, no, that's not possible. God just helps us, you know, the best way he can, but no man can achieve this. You're right. No man can. But Christ in you, Jesus Christ can overcome anything. So that's something that we ought to understand. Sarah, you got a lot on your mind. What you got to say? You sitting there looking serious. I've never seen her looking like that. So he says in verse 9, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifested, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now you got a lot of thugs out there that believe because they go to church, they're of God. You got to, I mean, I've run into so many where they say, man, I go to church. I believe in the Lord. You can't tell me about the Lord. Well, I ain't got to tell you. Your lifestyle is telling on you. So, you know, if you're going to be of Christ, you know, then you've got to be led of him. You've got to drop that mess. Verse, um, I think, am I at 10? Yeah. He no, loveth his brother. Okay. No, I'm at 11. So he says, for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was the wicked one, who was of the wicked one that slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Now that's part of the reason why a lot of people become victims of thugs and things like that. They are jealous of you. They hate that you had a father. They hate that you're going to college. They hate that you're taking school seriously. So what do they do? Because their own works are evil. They want to either include you in their gang or make you a victim. That's how they live. Marvel not, my brethren, uh, in the, uh, if the world hate you. 
We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And that's why Jesus said, if you hate your brother without a cause, you have already committed the act of murder. Because murder doesn't begin in pulling the trigger. Murder begins in what's in your heart. You can have a murderous heart, but you just never acted on it. The spirit of murder had never taken you over. But there will come a point where if that spirit of murder persists, he will have his way one way or another. The Bible says you can commit murder with your mouth. Just talking about what somebody did can encourage someone else to go and kill someone. So we got to be careful what we say and careful what we do. Because murder doesn't begin in the actual act. It begins in the heart. So that's something we ought to understand. So he says in 15, Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now I'm talking to the Christian. If you know that somebody's a thug or they're wrapped up in this life, see, David Wilkerson and, and uh, Henry Groover and those guys, they went before gangs. They didn't wait for gangs to walk into their church. They met the gangs on the street. And even many times, man, their lives were threatened. David Wilkerson was what? Wasn't he grabbed and a guy put a knife to his neck? Or Henry Groover that happened yeah. to. And the guy said, you know, how would you like it if I slit your throat? And what did Henry and Groover say? Uh, I, I wouldn't like it very much or no, something. He what did he say? something like that, um, like you go to heaven or then you'd be with God or something. Uh -huh. like, crazy out of his mind. Yeah, he said, like, you can't kill me. Yeah. I'm dead in Christ. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, there. you know? Yep. <laughs> so yeah. But he said he was sitting here thinking while the guy was antagonizing him, mm -hmm. oh, you're about to die. How does that feel? Mm -hmm. You know, but, but that's the oh, evil yeah, that God. is in people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he says in 17, but whoso hath the world's good and, sees his, and seeth his brother hath need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Now, you know, this is why the Bible tells us perfect love casteth out fear. Because if we really love the thugs or anybody that's out there having a rough life, we should have no problem obeying the Lord and going and preaching to them, regardless of what it may cost us. See, that's when you truly love. And that's why when people use the word love loosely, I get kind of, you know, in that mode of, man, don't talk to me about love because you don't know what it is. That's something that we got to understand. When you love, that even means at the sake of your own life. Yeah. That means that regardless of what it may cost you, I love you. I mean, regardless of what it may cost me, I love you enough to tell you the truth. So even if you pull the trigger and I die, guess what? Lord, let guilt come over him that you might come unto him and he might get saved. That's love. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, and just to add on top of that, like... Mm -hmm. The, to lay down your life. Um, that's the ultimate love that you can show for somebody. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that, you can't have fear exactly. of what you're going through. And then also how the example, that obviously big example is Jesus Christ laying down his life for us. That's because right. Because he loved us. That's like, right. He didn't want to bear that burden, but he loved the Father and he loved us. Mm -hmm. And see, but his love for the Father first was to even obey the commandment. The love for us is what came after. But, you know, it's just so awesome how God 
is really that way. And that's why people want to paint Jesus as just somebody that just loves everybody. He does. But you got to understand what kind of love made him become bold, made him, you know, courageous, made him faithful. You know, that he went through the worst torment that any being could have suffered. I mean, see, they don't tell you the real story. When it talks about the Hebrew, if we were to read it in like the Hebrew and the Greek, man, those words would have so much more uh, detail. I mean, when it said it pleased the father to bruise his son, he ain't talking about no welt on the side of your face. He's talking about man crushed, mangled, maimed. That Jesus, that they wouldn't have been able, been able to even identify him as a man. His face was messed up. I mean, they don't even tell you how, you know, They, I think they said like the cross, maybe that was Hollywood, I don't know. But they talked about how, you know, the cross was on him and when, you, when you're pierced in your hands and you can't stand him straight to breathe. I mean, his body was marred. They, um, he was scourged twice. I think one time during the day and that night. I mean, it's just it's just crazy how anyone can endure that. Scourge Yeah, you know, and well, with that cat nine, of nine tails, they ripped it. They ripped your muscles off. So when he was actually on the cross and going back up, he was bone. He he actually had to rub those open wounds against the cross to get air. So because people are trying to say, mm -hmm. well, Jesus Christ didn't live and stuff like that. It's like, well, what about all the evidence? American American medical science even knows that Jesus Christ lived. He bled profusely, mm -hmm. but as you can see, Jesus was no ordinary man. No. You know, he might have come in the flesh, but he he endured the cross until prophecy was fulfilled. They had to put the the vinegar in his mouth, you know, or the other thing. That that had to happen because he was the Passover lamb. So I mean, you know, it's just something to think about. God's love. Revelation twenty one, and I guess I can close from there. But, you know, I just want to tell people out there that are in this thug spirit, man, this is not of God. He can change your life, man. There's nothing beautiful about being ignorant. You know, there's nothing glorious about being a pig, being nasty, hating people, murdering, killing, you know, raping, whatever they do. It's not a cool lifestyle. Revelation 21 and 7, just two verses. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving. So this is the Christian and the thug. This is the believer and unbeliever, the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable, which means detestable, disgusting, and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, because you know they deal in drugs, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you see, God wants us to make it. If we overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, you know, and the Lord will save your life and give you purpose unto eternal life. But if you believe that being fearful, I was afraid of the gangs, so I didn't go and minister to them, Hey, the thug ain't going to be the only one that has a problem here. We've got to have that love in Christ where we go and tell people the truth. And that's what's missing. And that's why we did that teaching on the fire because we got to understand that the fire helps you, meet, helps you reach full maturity. You know, it's one thing to have the spirit, but and with fire. You've got to go through. So the rest of that is on you will burn off, that you will be nothing more than like Jesus Christ. 
It's the flesh that doesn't want to go. But God, the Spirit will put us in compromising situations so that we can have more faith. But see, if we don't allow ourselves to go into those uncomfortable places and we just say, no, I'm not ready, Lord. If the Spirit is telling you to go, then you go. Because at the end of all that, God will be glorified. Remember Stephen? Lord, lay this not to their charge. The man was stoned and still didn't want these people to die. Wanted them to be saved of the Lord. So, you know, I just want to say to the thugs out there, <laughs> I love you. And I'm just hoping that you turn your life around. You do not have to live by the, by the way that you're living. God can change your life, give you purpose, and make you right. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All right, that was the lesson. Ouch. All right, uh, I just have a psalm. Uh, when I read that I wrote, the Lord gave me. Jesus Christ loved us from the beginning, dying on the cross while we were yet sinning, giving his life for our life and taking our place, giving us his love mercy, forgiveness, and grace. He wants to live in our lives and to change our ways, to be accounted worthy when we stand before him on that day. Jesus Christ is the only one who can stop all the pain, and more of having the rich love of Jesus Christ is such gain. Giving up the old life and laying it all before Jesus, and from my own personal experience, I know Jesus Christ is the only one who can change us. Amen. Amen. Who wants to pray out tonight? Can I share one verse? Yeah. Okay. Um, This is just a verse I really, really like, and God has continued to bring more revelation to me on it. And I'll just read it out loud and then talk about it since just one. It's Psalm 104 and 21. Uh And it's the young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. And then God is a capital G. And I just have this vision of these young lions, like um, Jesus Christ being built inside of us, because, you know, Jesus Christ is the lion and the lamb, and he's our protector. And he's just building up these young lions that are seeking um, after people, lost sheep, to bring them back in, like shepherding them back in, and then um, seeking to God for meat, um, so for food. So, you know, we don't live by bread alone, but by, you know, the spiritual things that he sends down to us, Mm -hmm. but roaring out to him with that like crying out to him you know wanting it so mm-hmm. deeply and i just know times i'm in prayer and i'm seeking for him to fill me um i start crying it just you know the violent take it by force and that means even um asking for your growth with with god in your relationship with him is just really showing him in your heart Absolutely. you want it right. so that's just a meaningful scripture to me that i want to share no, Amen. because that's what kind of heart it takes to really pursue the lord that's how david was you know, David believed God no matter what. So, you know, he's going to pray out. I'll pray. Yeah, sure. cool. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you have um, brought your temples of Christ together, Lord, to study your word and to get it built up inside of us. And Lord, I pray for everyone who is listening right now, anybody who um, knows somebody who has a thug spirit or is in a gang, or if you have been yourself, I just pray that um, you either intercede and pray for others, or 
I just ask that you reach up to God, surrender everything in your life that yes, is Lord. not of him. Everything that you heard through this study is he's speaking to you and speaking to your heart. I just pray right now that you call it by name and give it up to him, Lord. Yes, yes, I just pray that you act on what you heard, that you obey his word and you seek him more. Right now, with just your voice, just ask for forgiveness and ask him into your heart and just move forward in prayer and thanksgiving for a new life that he can restore believing in him and his saving grace yes, he bared so the christ so he bared the cross for you for our sins so he can wash us clean you, but it takes a step of us asking him and inviting him into our life and being willing to follow him yes, lord father i pray for all of us as we continue to seek you more that we just get more bold in preaching the gospel to those around us showing acts of kindness and being charitable um, to those because that's what you would do, that you have a heart of giving and you have a heart of love. And um, the enemy in this war doesn't understand love. He wants us to fight of other people on the other side, but God, you want us to show them your heart. You want us to show them love and kindness. And then you want us to invite them in, invite them into the church, invite them in to hear your word and your good news so they can be set free, be delivered from the demonic strongholds that are pulling them down, keeping them from getting to know you. And Lord, I pray for this huge thing going on right now with Christians in the churches and being ineffective, not knowing your Holy Spirit, hearing your word, studying your word, but never acting upon it. Lord, I ask that they just experience you for real, have a divine intervention, Lord Jesus, and their eyes be open that you are power and love and that should manifest through the fruit of their spirit and through every action and if you're in a church you should see that happening so lord i just pray against the religious spirit i pray against it father i pray against deceptions that are out there lord jesus of compromising your word because we know your word is true the truth lord and the light and the way and it is the only way you can't be compromised it can't be diluted it can't be lukewarm it can't be combined with things of this world it can't be combined with a rap beat lord it is truly just your word and truth and songs and hymns and spiritual songs yes, that we so praise sir. you and worship thank you, you and we thank you for this thank lord you, anybody want to add anything else lord i also want to come against the thug spirit tonight mm-hmm. lord i pray in jesus name jesus lord name. i pray for my stepson andrew lord yes, i pray for Devin, lord yes, melissa's yes. son that's going through so much right now I pray, Lord, that whatever demons are trying to hold him back in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that you bind them and you set him free. And I pray, Lord, over East, that, Lord, who wants to pursue you, Lord, that has a heart after you, will you give him that hunger and thirst to pursue? Will you get Melissa strong, Lord? Help Melissa, Lord. She's a single mom that's dealing with so much. And I pray, Lord, that you give her the strength to endure. I pray for the parents that have kids in gangs, the kids that are in... This, this thug life mentality. Yes, I pray that the parents get a boldness in them and pursue Christ. That they may stand up to these kids and give them what they need concerning yes, the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Parents, Lord, put the authority in you. And I pray that you walk in that authority as long as you walk with Christ. Yes, Lord. And for those parents that are out there turning their children over unto the deception, unto the filth of the world, I pray in Jesus' name Jesus, that their eyes Jesus, be yes, open. Lord. That they can take that spirit from the midst of them. But Lord, all we need is the Holy Ghost of God. And I pray over anyone, Lord, that might deal with this later. I pray for all attacks against this ministry that they be ceased. And that Jesus Christ be lifted up. 
I pray that you bring us together, Lord, more on one accord, that we may pursue you, Lord, and sharpen each other. Amen. Yes, In Jesus' name, I pray. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? All right. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.